is the number. You can check our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS. It's WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey, what is up, my friends? Well, I'm waiting to hear some stories of a particular wedding crasher we're going to be having on the show today. And no, it is not Vince Vaughn, but... He's not. He's just is as it funny. Errol Marks? Are, is it him? Are you a wedding crasher? I have been a wedding ca- crasher. All over right. The there you yes. go. There you go. That's well, what really so got we guys, me we're into get, we're weddings get... and DJing weddings. There you go. Yes. All right. So we're gonna have two wedding crashers on one show in about a half hour. Well, I, I mean, the movie was great. Yes, but it was. I, I did some unusual things when I wedding crashed. Okay, but I'm not gonna say it on live radio because it probably <laughs> probably people would probably think I was crazy. So I'm not gonna say or really scare anybody away from this show tonight. But uh, uh, at 9.30, Speedy was uh, talking about him. We will be talking to um, four-on-four fantasy football analyst and Betsperts handicapping analyst, John Daigle, a friend of the show. Uh, he's been on the show three times. This will mm-hmm. be number four. The first four-time guest ever. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to get him on and see how he's doing. I know he moved to Chicago with his girlfriend or whatever she is now. Very interesting. Nice hat, Speedy. Look at that. Everybody likes it. Yes, Kenny, you're on. <laughs> I did get your painting. Oh, yeah. And before the show is over, I will introduce the painting to the studio. So there you go. At 10 o'clock, we will be talking to NFL and college football expert and a friend of the show, Derek Mountain. Uh, his brother is actually one of my, is my agent, and his father is a very well-known agent in the industry. So... Very happy and very excited to get Derek on. I know he's very excited to uh, join us and talk football with us, so it'll be fun. Uh, But anyways, uh, how do you like the weather, Speedy? Uh, it's a little cold for me, but I'm cold. sure you enjoy it. I was cold today. Yeah. What, what makes it cold? I, I, I don't understand I, this. I was cold today. Cold is what? Was, was your undercarriage cold? That's when you... What? <laughs> I don't own a carriage, but okay. What is this? What? The, the, 19th, the 18th century? <laughs> Uh, naturally stuck in the comment section uh, loving Kenny's presence already Mm. yes finally after all these years Kenny did deliver his painting finally Kenny returns to the sports loudmouths but still delivered a turkey dinner Uh, well he he invited us to a turkey dinner we just couldn't make it but uh, maybe this year we'll, we'll have Kenny come down here with his father and we'll enjoy a nice Thanksgiving turkey dinner with the good old boys. How's that? 
Yep. Kenny and his father. Gotta That's right. Got to love it. Maybe he'll bring... Maybe, Hopefully maybe, he maybe Kenny will finally hunt his uh, hunt some geese and then he'll make that... Instead uh, of add, a jerky, he'll bring uh, his uh, geese. No, no, no. He's going to bring goose. both. He's going to bring both, though, and Kenny. Uh, by the way, Kenny says he's winning the bet so far. I don't know what that means, but uh, yeah, uh, maybe Oh, it's the Giants finishing with a better record than the Jets is what I think the bet. Uh, so uh, far, you're up by one game right now, Kenny. Let's hope I, that... I would probably agree with you. Uh, let's, the hope, way, let's hope that the Giants... The way the Giants' <laughs> schedule is set up. But, uh, you know, I did make that bet, so we'll see what happens. What was the bet anyways? Do you remember the bet? I, I, it was something with the Giants being better than the but Jets. But what was the bet? What would I, I have I, to I do? I think it was exact record, but I don't remember yeah. off the top of my head. Or, I, I don't or know. playoff seed, I don't remember. Yeah, but what was the bet? What did I have to do? After, I, don't, I don't remember. Well, Kenny's going to have to tell me because I forgot the bet. But anyways, uh, it's, it's a long day, and it's always a long show, so I don't remember everything I told Kenny. But I'm sure Kenny will express himself if he wins. That's for sure. Um, we're going to get to Steve Nash. Uh, says that it doesn't matter if Ben Simmons shoots or actually can shoot a jump shot. So uh, that's very interesting. A $35 million player that can't shoot. And he pretty much, the coach of the team is saying that he doesn't care if he shoots. Just play defense. Very interesting. So uh, we will get into that. Uh, Could Undoka be fired by the Boston Celtics during his yearly suspension? Uh, That is an interesting story, especially what you heard from the owner uh, co-owner and founder, I guess, co- not founder, but co-owner of the Celtics speaks out and says it doesn't guarantee that he will return next year after his one-year suspension. So we will get into that. Miles Garrett says to be driving. What? What is he said? No, he 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 got into an accident after practice. I think um, a couple of days ago, yep. and uh, he's not permanently injured. He's not going to miss the season. But what, what did you write here? He drove 20 miles over the speed limit, according to an Ohio so is he, Highway Patrol officer. So, so did he get a ticket? What's going on with this? I, nothing's confirmed yet, but they're investigating it because mm. he might have caused I know he was driving a Porsche. Yeah. That's what I heard. And, and if anybody's seen a Porsche, they're very, very small. So he's lucky to be alive. You have a six-foot-seven pass rusher, weighs about 260 pounds of muscle, and he's driving a small little Porsche. He probably weighs more than the Porsche. Yeah. It really, it's crazy. But, but they're investigating to see if he's the guy who caused that is basically what it looks at. So if he is, who knows what could happen. Practice footage of the Dolphins leaked by the University of Cincinnati students ahead of Thursday night's football game. Dolphins uh, are obviously very upset about that. And uh, I'm sure the NFL will investigate it. Um, we'll see what happens. If, if, if this does help the Bengals... And there is some kind of footage that will help the Bengals win this game. I'm sure the Dolphins are going to want heads. So it's it's a very interesting story. Usually the Dolphins are involved, you know, with uh, you know the the these stories. If you know about their ownership, if you know about everything with the Dolphins, uh, they're usually involved with these stories. But uh, they're not. They're the ones complaining. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mike McDaniel was pissed too because he had all these trick practice plays of they actually practiced with twelve guys to throw people off, and uh, now that's leaked too. So who knows? NFL gets rid of the Pro Bowl game. Will be several skills competitions instead. I, I think it's a great idea. I think the skills competitions are more fun to watch, uh, especially with the. Uh, I guess the skills positions, uh, the running backs, the wide receivers, the pass rushers, even the quarterbacks. I think 
seeing what their skills and how strong they are at those skills, I think that's more interesting than watching a football game that you don't even tackle. So uh, we will obviously get into that story and week four picks. Uh, we will do that with Derek Mountain and uh, have a little fun with him. We'll talk a little college football with him too oh, yeah. uh, as he went to the Texas and Alabama game with his brothers. Uh, very interesting, and that was a very good game, by the way. Yes, so I could actually tell him. I could actually tell him about how Texas ruined the what would have been the best headline after that game if they were actually able to hold on and win. But naturally, Texas and big games they lose. So why don't we get into it? And by the way, congratulations again to Aaron Judge mm-hmm. hitting number sixty-one. My uncle made a bet with me uh, today, uh, stating that he doesn't believe Aaron Judge will hit number sixty-two in the Ooh. next. Six games, I think they have left. They have six games left. Yep. He thinks that Aaron Judge will not break the sixty-one record, you know, set by Roger Maris in the American League, which would give Aaron Judge the American League record at sixty-two. Yeah, it's a lot of faith he has in the Texas Rangers pitching staff. Oh well, he he just thinks that you know it took Aaron Judge a little while to hit number sixty-one. He thinks it's going to take a while for him to hit number 62. I don't think so. I think he'll hit it in the next two or three games. I I really do believe he'll hit number 62 and break the record. I think the Yankees want it. I think think the MLB wants it. It's a great story. And uh, for a player of that magnitude, a special guy, uh, the face of baseball right now, he really is the face of baseball. Uh, Everybody keeps talking about Mike Trout. Mike Trout, if you put Mike Trout in the middle of – Chicago in the city. Nobody would even know it was Mike Trout. But if you put Aaron Judge in the city of Chicago, everybody will know who Aaron Judge is. I mean, he... he He's a unique individual. He's six foot seven, two hundred and eighty pounds, and he's got a smile that would brighten up a room. Yeah, so, I, w- I would say the three most popular players are Judge, Otani, and Bryce Harper, probably. So congratulations to the great Aaron Judge hitting number sixty one and doing something that nobody did in the American League for 61 years. And I want to apologize to the fans yesterday because I mentioned Han- uh, you know, Hank Greenberg, and I said he played in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. I was right about the 40s. He really played in the 30s and the 40s. He, he retired at the end of the 40s. So uh, it was 1938 when he hit 58 home runs and when people stopped pitching to him and started walking him. So, and uh, the stories are true about Hank Greenberg on why they didn't want to pitch to him and why they didn't want him to break the record. But uh, um, I want to apologize. It was 1938 when he did it. It was in the 30s. So, um, but why don't we get into a little basketball because we'll get this out of the way. It's a lot of football. This is a football show because it's Thursday night. It's the last show of the week. And uh, like I said, we'll have uh, just a few, I would say a few minutes, 15 minutes, 16 minutes. We will have... uh, our, uh, I guess, our NF, another NFL expert, uh, an analyst, John Daigle, joining us. So, Steve Nash speaks out over the last couple of days, speaking about the the, the Brooklyn Nets, how strong they think they they're going to be this year, how much better he believes they're going to be this year with the team and the acquisitions they've made in the off season, which are not much. Uh, they gave up a first round draft pick. Uh, to I think they traded him to Utah. Royce O'Neal. <laughs> for Royce O'Neal. I, I I guess Kevin Durant liked that move because he, he mentioned all the moves that they've made. I, I think they've only made like one or two moves. I mean, nothing really stood out this offseason. And they don't have a first-round draft pick now for another, I don't know, 
five, six years. They only have pick swaps for the rest of the decade. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. But Steve Nash uh, said something very interesting about Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons, everybody knows, is not a good offensive player. His career average, I think, is 14. Uh, he's a good rebounder for for the position that he plays. He's more of a guard the way he plays. He's a good ball handler. Uh, he's. I would believe you could put him at the point guard position. He's more of a point guard, but now point guards in this league are good offensive players. He's just not that. So Steve Nash, uh, when when the press asked him about his offensive skills, his free throws, and all the different things that we've heard that he is just absolutely terrible at, and we've seen him to be terrible at, they mentioned his jump shot. And and Steve Nash said something very stupid, very dumb. And if you're a Net fan, you would be outraged if you ask me. You're paying a guy $35.5 million a year not to shoot. Does that make sense? If you're if you're a net fan, if you're a basketball fan right now, sitting here listening to us, and you're listening to Steve Nash, one of the better point guards in the NBA history, and he said, and he great shooter by the way, and he speaks out about his star, I guess three or four, whatever position he's going to play this year. Probably three, because Kevin Durant is the four. And he says he doesn't care if he shoots. He doesn't care if he has a jump shot. What does that do to the other players on the team? Now, we know they have great shooters. They have Kyrie Irving. They have Kevin Durant. They have Harris. They have some good shooters on this team. But when you have a player that is making $35 million a year. And you're telling him, please, don't shoot. Just play your position and defend. Because he's a great defender. There's no question that he is. He's also a very good passer. He really is. That is alarming. And I know a lot of people think that the Nets are going to have a good season this year. Maybe they do. I, I don't know. I Maybe Kyrie Irving plays more than... I would say 40 games. And Kevin Durant actually stays healthy for a full season. And Ben Simmons doesn't attack the coach because he doesn't want to practice. As Allen Iverson says, practice, practice. Ben Simmons just says, I don't even want to step on the court. So I'll just sit on the bench, wear my Louis Vuitton sweaters, and not play. It's a big difference between Allen Iverson and Ben Simmons. One is the most beloved athlete in Philly. One's the most hated. (laughs) I mean... I just don't understand Steve Nash. I, I really don't. Uh, we all know Kevin Durant don't like him. We all know Kyrie Irving doesn't like him. And I guess he's kissing up the Ben Simmons. Because Ben Simmons should be an NBA player that can actually shoot. He should be going every single day, practicing on in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, shooting 500 shots a day until he figures out what his shot is or where he needs to shoot. And and by the way, for an NBA player that can't hit a free throw, that is absolutely horrid. It is embarrassing. You have, I guess, eight, nine-year-old kids 
that can hit 50 free throws in a row. And Ben Simmons, who's an NBA player making $35 million a year, he can't even hit a free throw. I don't even remember the last time he hit a free throw. This is a problem, Speedy. Yeah, it's a big problem because you're basically saying, all right, he's never going to shoot ever. Here comes some double teams for Kyrie Irving. Here comes some double teams for Kevin Durant. So you better hope, Steve Nash, that this is some kind of like coaching deception thing. Otherwise, you look really dumb right now in saying that. Teams are going to be able to game plan for that anyway, assuming all three are on the court at once, which I don't trust either. But that's a, that's besides the point. Uh, yes, Snug, I, I did mention that in the past. I would love to see Ben Simmons shoot underhand to be able to get free throws because, yeah, that probably would be the best approach because there's not even a lot of college shooters that are worse than his 55% he shot in his last full season. Like, that, there's a lot of... St- College shooters that can shoot better than that. Like, come on, guys. Ben Simmons, we know his work ethic is bad, but you still have to at least try to shoot. You need to be able to at least make it work in some facets. Yes, there are NBA players that have flaws, but that doesn't mean they can't do it ever and they can't do it in a key moment. We mock we mock Steph Curry's defense all the time, but Steph Curry in the NBA Finals played some good defense. Like, you need to find that level to be able to get yourself to be a championship team, which I don't trust the Nets to be anyway, but there's still some fans out there that do, and the Nets front office, they certainly does, going in all in on this big three plan that they have going for them. Uh, Stug also says, I love that Ben Simmons just sat there and got paid pure gangster. Uh, Kenny, call into the show. You are the man. Ben Simmons is such a mess. Not much Nash can do. Good players never equal good coach. Some can teach, some can't. What else can Nash say? He demands Simmons start scoring. It'll only mess up Simmons' head further. Uh, Ben says, uh, Miles Garrett cited for failure to control vehicle. Uh, I'd love to see a cooking skills competition, Kenny versus NFL players. And Aaron Judge is huge. It would be very hard not to notice him. And I don't care about the Nets, but I'm a huge Kyrie Irving fan. I like Kyrie Irving, too. He played for the Duke Blue Devils. Everybody knows I'm a Duke Blue Devil fan. But when you have Kevin Durant attacking the coach in the offseason, attacking management, when was the last time... Your superstar player throws the team management under the bus like Kevin Durant did this offseason. When was the last time? Not even LeBron James has done that. And LeBron James has the biggest mouth in the NBA. He doesn't shut up. No, he just taught Kyrie Irving how to get coaches fired. (laughs) I'm just saying. LeBron James hasn't done that. Kevin Durant, who I still believe is one of the top three players in the NBA, when healthy. He is a dominant force. He makes everybody around him better. He does. Because he could shoot. He could open up the court. He's, a, he, he's actually, for, the, for his size, he's a great ball handler. And he can rebound. And he can play defense. He can really be an anchor of a defense if he really wants to because he's long. But this is ridiculous. And, and to hear this about... Ben Simmons and Steve Nash saying that to the press, it only throws the Nets under the bus. And if this this story grows legs and the season starts and Ben Simmons can hit a shot and he's averaging six or five points a game and you're paying this man $35 million and he can't hit a lick, Steve Nash is going to have a lot, a lot to talk about to the New York press because they're not going to take that as an answer. Not at all. That's assuming it's actually, embarrassing. And that's also assuming he actually keeps his job. I, that's a whole other thing. Him saying this, I would fire him right there. Oh, Kyrie Irving will be happy. 
if if I heard Steve Nash say that when you're paying this guy thirty five million dollars, you are the coach of the team. If Tom, if you say that to Tom Thibodeau, he laugh at you. He would laugh at you. He tell you to sit on the bench. You're never playing. It doesn't matter. And I'm not saying Tom Thibodeau is any better because he's not. I've got a lot to say about Tom Thibodeau, but I'll wait for two or three weeks until the season starts just to really burn my uh, my ulcer in my stomach from you know the Knicks in the offseason because an absolute failure. I would still say there's a significant gap in terms of coaching talent between Tom Thibodeau and Steve Nash, though. Another story, very interesting. Uh, um, the Celtics, uh, Ime Adoko who is suspended for a full season, starting immediately, has been told by the Boston Celtics that he still might not have a job after his one-year suspension. And what does that tell you? Why is it? And and, and I I have to give Stephen A. Smith a lot of credit on this. No, not you. (laughs) Why is it... That this man still has a job. Now, I understand, and and I, I think a lot of people have taken shots at this guy because it's not just him. The woman that he was having relationships with was not fired, was not suspended, was not fined like this man. It doesn't make him right. He was absolutely wrong. I absolutely am completely against what he did. It's team rules that you should not be sleeping or having a relationship with anybody a part of that organization. Brad Stevens set that in stone. It's been in stone since Danny Ainge was there. You do not have relationships with anybody a part of the organization. Why is it that Adoka was the only one getting suspended? He's the only one that is not getting paid this year. This woman, who admitted he did nothing wrong, it was consensual. It was consensual. And for some reason, ladies and gentlemen, she's not fired. Now, I... I I could sit here today and I can go back and forth about the Boston Celtics. I am not a Boston Celtic fan, but I have to be honest and not biased about the organization because the organization over the last couple of years have been an absolute joke, not because of their talent and how they've played. They played very well. They were in the finals last year. They got knocked out by the Golden State Warriors. (laughs) And I wasn't happy about that. I was actually rooting for the Boston Celtics, Speedy. Yeah, this was that was the equivalent of my Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl. I actually had to root for the Patriots, and it was hard. But this story is a joke. It's an absolute... Brad Stevens. I respect Brad Stevens as a head coach. I respect him as a GM. He took over as a GM. In one year, his team goes to the finals. He hired this guy. What does that tell you as a a basketball fan? If you're a Celtic fan, why hasn't Brad Stevens been fired? Why hasn't he been fined? How does he just all of a sudden 
how does this story all of a sudden just come out like that? Am, am I wrong? How, how does Brad Stevens, the guy that runs this organization, not know that this was going on all these months? You wonder how many more tips that are going to be coming out within the organization, too, whether it's leaked publicly or not. And that's what's going to be judged when it comes to the firing of these other employees. Because if Udoka does end up getting fired, it hasn't been official yet. But- he should absolutely be fired. I agree with Stephen A. Smith 100%. And I am not one to agree with Stephen A. Smith. Anybody that listens to this show, I've, I've called Stephen A. Smith's show over the years. We've had our differences. I respect him when it comes to basketball. He is absolutely right. Udoka should have been fired. Yeah, and you wonder, again, what other ripple effect that's going to cause with these other guys. Maybe it is Brad Stevens that would be the next one to go because the ownership is going to look at this pretty evenly because it is a team clause. It's not a NBA-sanctioned punishment that's happening there. This is the team's decision, so they're going to be hopefully fair with all the employees once they figure out who they are. Now, again, Carl mentioned last week it's the chief financial officer's Who cares? It doesn't matter. There is a rule. It's set. They broke it. They should both be fired. The woman and Udoka. They all should be fired. If they're involved in this love triangle, they should be fired. This has nothing to do with him being a man or her being a woman. Right. No, no, it's an employee policy. Yeah, if that's the case, you're absolutely right. They're going to have to approach this fairly once they know who it is. And that's why I think the investigation is going to end up going into the year, too, during this suspension. But if it does happen where it's multiple people, yeah, they're they're all going to get fired or they're all going to get suspended the same way and all stay, depending on what the magnitude of it. But it does look bad for him because the reports last week were saying it could be more than one woman, too. One more, one more female Speedy, employee. let me ask you a question, Okay. Let's say you were working for the Boston Celtics. Okay. Okay? And you fell in love with a woman working, I guess, in the cabinet of Brad Stevens. You, you, uh, his management team, there's a woman. She's a publicist. You fall in love with her. Okay? And you start having a relationship with her. But you know that it's against team rules. Mm-hmm. You know it is. Yeah. So instead of going to Brad Stevens and talking to Brad Stevens about it and saying, listen, me and this woman that works for you, she's she's one of your publicists or whatever she is, yeah. I, I, I am very attracted to her. Could we, you know, have a relationship outside of the Celtic organization? Could we do that? And, and I'm not breaking team rules. And if he – that's what I would have done. I would have went to Brad Stevens – and I would have said, listen, but this is a man, Udoka, he was married. Yeah. He was married. It's adultery. Yep. Now, I don't know what was going on in their, their house or their, their affair. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going on. I yeah. don't know. Uh, I don't mean. Allegedly separated is all we know. I don't know Mia Long. Yeah. I, know she, I know her as an actor. I actually like her, some of her movies, actually. The Best Man. You ever see The Best Man? No, I haven't. I never heard of her. I, I like that movie. I, 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 I like a lot of her was. movies. I've always thought she was a very attractive woman. Okay? So it doesn't make any sense why he would be cheating on her. They've been, to, they've been together for what? Nine years? Eight years? Yeah, they said it was almost a decade they were getting up to in marriage before the separation. It doesn't make any sense why he was cheating on her. Now, I don't, I don't know him personally. I don't know why he was doing it. I don't care. How's that? But it's not right. It's not fair 
that Odoka was the one that is being suspended. He's being fined. Everything is going on and everything is shooting to him when nothing is going to her. And that's why I think Stephen A. Smith made a lot of sense. And and by the way, this has nothing to do with women and, women and men. It has nothing to do with that. No, just team employees. That's That's really what it is. And for anybody to go out there and... And attack the woman or attack women, uh, part of an organization. It's ridiculous. You should not do that. Everybody is equal. We sh- we're all equal. Right. Equal rights, equal everything when it comes to jobs. What were you going to say, Speedy? I was going to read the comments yeah. before we go to break. Uh, Snug says, best podcast ever, Stephen A. Smith, Kyrie Irving, Kenny. Uh, why can't you can't sleep with the hot dog vendors? <laughs> yes, I'm sure Mark said just would. Uh, Speedy, you made it so easy to cheering for the path. We would welcome you into the fault. No, that was only against the Eagles, Snug. Nice try. Uh, God, I wish Speedy worked for the Celtics. And... Uh, well, Brad Smith probably isn't regularly checking on the employees and sex partners. <laughs> but Brad Smith, uh, it was an ex-wide receiver, so I don't know what he would be involved with. Wow. Brad Stevens. Hmm. Interesting story. I'm sure it's going to grow legs in the next couple of weeks as the season starts, and we'll see how bad Boston is with their interim uh, head coach. Uh, and, and I'm very surprised Brad Stevens not taking over the reins. I, I really yeah. – I would think that they have a championship team this year. You're going to bring in a coach, an interim coach, who didn't get the job. I think he was he was up for another job this offseason. He didn't get it. Oh, okay. One of the other assistant coach from Boston yeah. uh-huh. got the job. Yeah, and Joe something. I forget his last name. I don't know his name. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people like this kid. He's 34 years old. He's, he's really young. He will be the youngest coach in the NBA. Coaching a team that was in the NBA Finals last year and has a chance to be even better than they were last year. Figure that one out. When we come back, we'll be talking to four for four fantasy football analyst, Betsperts handicapping analyst, and our friend John Daigle here on the Sports Lab Notes. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. Rest in peace, Coolio. 59 years old. Gangster's Paradise. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Check out our app, a beautiful app. Check it out on iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Coolio passes away yesterday. It's it's a very sad story. It really is. But it's crazy what's going on in the world. So uh, over there in Florida, shout out to Flo- the Floridians, everybody that's dealing with uh, the flooding over there. And uh, hopefully everybody is uh, safe. Over 2 million people, 2 million people with no electricity over there. Wow. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. I saw sharks. I saw alligators sitting on the side of a... Uh, sitting right next to, uh, what do they call that, mailboxes over there? <laughs> I mean, could you imagine walking outside, it's flooding, and you see two alligators sitting next to your mailbox? I mean, sharks hanging out in your backyard. Yep. <laughs> I have a pet Freaky. shark. He's in my backyard. Yeah, I'm feeding him some meat. Anyways, uh, very good friend of the show, a, a fan. I am a fan of his. And uh, we have him on again. He's now in Chicago. As we uh, spoke about this last time he was on, we are now talking to 4 for 4 fantasy football analyst and bet spurts handicapping analyst, John Daigle. John, what's going on, man? 
everything's going well. I think this is my third, fourth no, time. You're on the, the show. fourth. You're the first four-time guest of this show. Four time. Yeah, yep. I knew it was close to that. Yep. Uh, and yeah, not only for the hurricane, like that's also terrible. But yes. now, if you're watching the football game in the background, Tua, it looks like he just suffered his second concussion mm. in a matter of four days. Mm. So, like, also Tua may not be doing well right now either. So. Uh, we're hoping for a lot here tonight. Well, according to their organization, it's only the first <laughs> concussion. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yeah. Well, they're getting investigated on that. So uh, uh, they're, they're going to have a lot to speak about when it comes to the NFL and Roger Goodell, his team going out there and trying to investigate. Because you know the NFL. They'll sit back and they'll relax and let this go by for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden you're, gonna, you're, you're going to find out that they did – um, obviously do things the wrong way, and they let Tua go on the field when they shouldn't have, and they're going to be fine for it. I, I believe he had a concussion. I think everybody believed he had a concussion because he, he was holding his head. He went in the tent. He looked like he was dizzy, and they still let him back on the field in the second half. It made no sense, but uh, that's not why we're, here, why we're here talking to you. Uh, before we get into some football conversation with you, how are you and your family doing uh, from COVID? Everyone's doing well. Uh, I guess that was the last time around yes. September, November that y'all talked to me. Um, everyone's doing great. Uh, again, I'm in Chicago. Mm-hmm. They're back in Texas. But like last year, I will be going back during the holidays and seeing them. Plus, I can play golf in the winter there. Uh, in Chicago, it's a little bit tougher to play golf in November and December. Fantasy football has thrown a lot of people a curveball this year. There's a lot of players that you wouldn't expect to be as good as they have been such in such an early season. Uh, but, but before we get into fantasy football, what has been surprising to you so far this early NFL season? Is there a particular team, a player? What has stood out to you so far in three weeks of football? The, the overarching theme of fantasy football has been surprising because what we've seen is that more too high safety coverage. I'm sure you've heard it on radio, on TV, everywhere too. More cover two essentially has led to teams averaging 21 points per game this year, which is down significantly from not only the COVID 2020 year when teams were averaging 24 and a half points per game, but also down from last year as well, Uh, because that's what teams are doing now. They're just throwing two high players deep, two safeties, and then making quarterbacks who make 250 million guaranteed and making wide receivers who make over hundred million guaranteed catch two yard passes. Uh, and those egos making that money don't want to do that. That's not <laughs> why we watch football, not, not for everyone to play underneath, but that's what's happening. That's why man coverage is also down this year. That's why yards per carry are up this year. That's why touchdowns are down this year. It, it's all because of two eye safeties, which we should honestly ban like the shift because football is becoming worse because of it. I love and you. so, <laughs> and so fantasy points and everything like the, overall margin between the top heavy scoring quarterbacks in fantasy and beyond them is really what separates everyone right now Jalen Hurts Josh Allen Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson depending on an 11 and a half percent touchdown rate that's not going to sustain even though he's been amazing but those three are averaging 29 fantasy points per game Mahomes and Carson Wentz are the next closest at 23 fantasy points per game. Literally a six-point difference. Like, they don't even matter compared to those three, honestly. And so, like, that's what's happened right now is that our football got worse because of what defenses are doing now in order to allow opposing teams 
to to have more plays per drive and force them to run the ball as opposed to explosive plays over the top. And so I think that's the big takeaway right now. I like I have like everyone else. I have Russell Wilson, I have Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford. I have quarterbacks that I am looking to get off of because they haven't been good. But honestly, if you look around, there are no quarterbacks that have been good. Like even Mariota is averaging over eight carries per game. Mariota's a QB 13 on the year. Like he doesn't matter. Like I can't, I can't take out Rodgers in my lineup for Mariota. Um, and so yeah, it's just like everyone's struggling right now, honestly, besides Jalen Hurts, Allen, and Lamar Jackson. Have you seen that kind of thing happening too with a lot of the top running backs too? Because you're seeing more receivers being used as running backs, and like like you're saying, short passes, RPO type things. Because a lot of people are drafting Jonathan Taylor early at the big first week, but struggled since. Austin Eckler, who I have in one league, Errol has it in one league as well. Please, uh, he struggled so far this year too. So is that trend going to be something that's to watch out for too going into like future the way they evaluate running back strategy? Maybe, but honestly, Jonathan Taylor's usage has been amazing. Uh, I mean, you could just look at week two whenever they trailed the Jags and like Jonathan Taylor still outsnapped Naheem Hines on third down. Jonathan Taylor, like I, I know he, he only had 10 touches the entire game, but like all three weeks now, Taylor is being used over Hines for passing downs and we didn't expect that. So honestly, you could argue Taylor's usage is even better than we think. And Christian McCaffrey, it's it's the issue of being tied to Baker Mayfield right now. So that's why running back scoring is down, like we already talked about. Uh, Top-heavy receiver scoring is up. It's basically between six players right now. And even Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, we know the past two games, because they haven't really schemed in unique ways. In week one, Justin Jefferson played against a linebacker safety on seven of his ten targets. And then now against a shadow corner the past two weeks, Jeffrey Okuda and Darius Slay, we're seeing that's where 62% of his targets came from. And like, they don't know how to scheme him properly if a corner is going to shadow and move along with him. And so we'll see Vikings hopefully evolve and make it easy, make life easier for him. But overall, yeah, like we're seeing actually defenses matter this year. And that's not fun. That's not fun for football or fantasy. And so that's, that's my biggest complaint right now. We are talking to four for four fantasy football analysts and bet spurts, handicapping analyst, John Daigle. You look at the New York teams, you talk about the Jets, and and the Jets are having a lot of woes on that offensive line. They lost Dwayne Brown to IR. He's coming back probably week week five. And now you you lose George Fawn. He could be out till week 10, week 11. This offensive line is not going to be very good with, uh, I guess, uh, a young offensive lineman that they drafted, Max Mitchell. And the other one, what is it, McDermott? Connor McDermott. Oh, okay, who Mm -hmm. they brought back after they dropped him after he didn't make the 53 roster. So with Zach Wilson coming back here in week four against a Pittsburgh Steelers team, I I know T.J. Watt is not going to be in the game, so that does help the Jets, but does it benefit them with the young linebackers that they have right now in Pittsburgh? Where do you see this game going, and do you think that Zach Wilson, because he's not a pocket quarterback, he can move and and obviously uh, move out of the pocket and throw on the run? Could this help the offensive line out? Could this benefit the Jets that maybe the offensive line isn't as good as it was, uh, you know, last year? I really worry still. and I don't want to throw someone out the window in their second year, especially when they're still developing. But Mike White, after Zach Wilson got injured, literally showed Wilson the playbook. It's, hey, take the yards that are given to you. Now, Mike White never also took a chance. He literally just dumped it out every time. Mm. But, like, take the yards that are given to you as an NFL quarterback. Depend on your explosive core for yards after the catch and just move on. Get get through the marker and move on. And even then, Zach Wilson averaged 
58% completion rate before mm-hmm. his injury, very bad, came back, averaged a 53% completion rate after injury. Like, it didn't help his cause whatsoever. So I really do worry about Zach Wilson. I want to see what happens because you could argue their surrounding cast is even better this year. Absolutely. They remind The Jets remind me of the Broncos of last year where, and I know the Broncos are struggling right now. I still have lots of faith in the Broncos to get it right, especially because their schedule's really easy moving forward. But honestly, uh, the Jets have the entire core in place. Offensive line, as you mentioned, banged up, but still surrounding cast in place. They just need average quarterback play. And Wilson didn't show us last year. He can do that. And so I don't want to, I don't want to write him off in his second year, but I would like to see something different. I think he could be better off script. We're going to see if that's true, but right now we're just literally hoping and we have faith, and that's it. No metrics actually point to him being improved yet. Faith. You use the word faith. As a Jet yes. fan, we've had faith for 50 years, and that faith has <laughs> drove has driven my head into the ground like an ostrich, okay? I don't yeah. even want to take my I, – I want my ass hitting up in the air and just hoping that I don't see all the disgusting, terrible plays and the play calling of Mike LaFleur. It is absolutely ridiculous. I think the play calls were horrendous last week. And this offensive line – which played better in the second half last year, they have looked in the beginning of the season, adding Lincoln Tomlinson, who is a pro ball player, Dwayne Brown, who hasn't played yet. Uh, Elijah Veritaku, who has probably been the best offensive lineman out of all of them. McGovern, who's supposedly a top 10 center in the NFL. This offensive line has been absolutely putrid, putrid. And mm-hmm. and you're going to sell that to me with next uh, this coming week with Zach Wilson? I feel bad for Zach. I feel bad for him because he's going to get killed. This Pittsburgh Steelers team is going to give him no mercy, no mercy this week in Pittsburgh. The fans are going to be loud, and they're going to be screaming for Kenny Pickett. I I, I absolutely believe that's going to happen, especially if Mitchell Trubisky gets into trouble early in the game. The only. F- Hope, more faith here, is that the Steelers' sack rate drops 10 percentage points, goes to one of the worst in the league without T.J. Watt in the field. So that's the hope here. But again, like even from a clean pocket, Zach Wilson was a bottom third quarterback in completion rate last year. So we just, got, we just have to see if he's learned. We have to see if he's developed in camp over the offseason. See, this is why this is why John has moved on now to fantasy football and sports betting. Because if he had to, yeah, if he had to micromanage the Chicago Bears as a Bears fan, I don't oh, know if he would be able please. to either. Yeah. So you mentioned the Broncos. You actually were high on them, and you you trust him to turn it around. I mean, a lot of people, including myself, not impressed with Nathaniel Hackett's coaching so far. His play calling, the fans doing time management. I mean, do you, can you trust him to still be a good coach and turn that around, or you just think the talent's too good to overcome it? I think the talent's too good. I still think Russell Wilson's too good. Like, honestly, they're still above average in yards per drive. Like, they're getting to the red zone. The issue is their red zone play. Russell Wilson's right now is 8 of 18 inside the 20-yard line. Hasn't scored a touchdown yet. That's why Nathaniel Hackett hired an outside coordinator to help him with decision-making, in particular, inside the 10-yard line whenever decisions get quicker and you need to actually be more efficient and accurate. And so – I'm curious to see what happens, but honestly, for this matchup in particular, I think it's a blow-up game for the Raiders. I think they get back on track. Russell Wilson leads the league in yards per attempt against man coverage, and the Raiders have run zone coverage at the sixth highest rate in the league. So we expect them to have more opportunities against Cortland for Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Also, the Broncos uh, are still, again, above average in yards per drive. And the good news is, even in being bad in the red zone so far, Raiders are 
bottom three right now, 29th overall in red zone scoring percentage allowed. They've allowed a points on over 80% of their red zone possessions against them. So I, I just think it makes perfect sense for the Raiders to get right for the Broncos to get right this week. And so, yeah, I'll be betting the Broncos money line and uh, playing Russell Wilson, double stacks and DFS this week. John, there's a lot of surprises this season and Jacksonville has been a very big surprise. And mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, uh, a lot of people believe he's the future of the NFL, the superstar, the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady of the future. This guy is going to be everything that they weren't. And last year, he didn't have such a great season. There were parts of the season that you were just scratching your head and wondering if this guy is going to figure it out. We've seen quarterbacks, a lot of people believe, were going to be great, and they really just never cut it in the NFL. And this guy, this year, uh, you added Peterson there. You're watching, obviously, uh, Robinson, who I believe there was no reason why they should have drafted uh, Travis Etienne. It, it didn't make any sense. I understand, well, we we all know who the coach was, but it didn't make any sense. And uh, everything that we've seen so far, they're running the ball very well. Uh, the Christian Kirk move, which everybody was mocking all offseason, mm-hmm. it's worked out for them. What has stood out to you so far with this Jacksonville Jaguars team? They become a one-read, quick-hitting scheme. Like Trevor Lawrence has the league's highest completion rate the past two weeks because he is the second-highest, second-quickest time from snap to throw, only behind Tom Brady. Three-step drop, get rid of the ball underneath. That's all this offense is doing. And so... I question the validity of their defense in this matchup. Like, we know Jalen Hurts has learned how to pass. Like, he's actually been extremely efficient as a passer only. He only averaged two yards per carry on 12 carries last week. Didn't matter whatsoever. They still spiked the commanders. They just murdered them from the entire kickoff on. And so... Jaguars defense, we know, allowed big plays to Washington. They beat Washington. They probably shouldn't have won that game. But they beat Washington week one, even though Carson Wentz for 300 yards and four touchdowns. They won what was actually a good matchup to bet on in week two because the Colts were fresh off 91 plays in week one and then had to travel East Coast for an early kickoff. It just wasn't a good spot for them whatsoever. That's why even in DFS, like Jaguars defense was actually highly owned because like it looked like a good spot for the Jaguars. And then last week, they hit the nuts. Uh, injured Justin Herbert and then center Corey Lindsley and left tackle Rashawn Slater injured in game. So I actually don't think Jaguars defense has been tested yet. They may be good. I don't know. But I, I, I still just think they're the same crop of players from last year. I think Jalen Hurts and the Eagles just put it on them this week. So honestly, like, even though Jaguars' offense has improved, they're running a better scheme, I do like the Eagles. I like the six and a half points this week for them to cover. Hmm. All right. I, I, I joked about it earlier, but I did. But they have been doing all right. So the Chicago Bears, they upset the 49ers in week one. Your Chicago <laughs> Bears, two and one right now, hanging on. So what have been your impressions so far of them this year, of, of a roster that was supposed to be one of the worst? Garbage. <laughs> and, sa- and sadly, one of these teams, the Bears or Giants, will be three and one after this game. If you can imagine that. And it's, it's strictly due to schedule like we knew they both had easiest schedules the bears had the fourth easiest projected schedule in the league um but to have the fewest dropbacks the fewest pass attempts only 23 completions through three games absolutely insane what's funny though is that their offensive line is still shit 
pass protecting. They're <laughs> awful. But run blocking, they're actually very good at what they do. Uh, they're averaging the seventh most yards before contact and creating holes. They're ninth in football outsiders adjusted line yards, which tells you like the actual gaps they're creating. And they're 12th in ESPN's run block win rate. Like they're very good at what they do. And Khalil Herbert is very good at what he does as well. And so Justin, uh, Justin Fields has been terrible against man coverage. And we know that's going to happen in this game because Wink Martindale is st- still sending the highest blitz rate in the league right now. But also with the Bears having yet to attempt 17 passes in any game so far, I don't think they need a pass at all in this game. So I don't know what happens. I don't know if the Giants or Bears win, but I do think the Bears still have tremendous success running the ball in this matchup. Uh, they are a joke through the air. They really are. But also, again, they're so good on the ground. I think they could still win this game. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but yes, I still like Khalil Herbert in particular to have success. Week four, any bets that you like for these very wacky weeks we've seen so far this season? I've kind of given away a few of them already. Uh, I like the Broncos money line. I like the Eagles to cover. Um, I also like the Cardinals. That's one I haven't talked about yet. Hmm. Baker Mayfield has been an absolute joke. Uh, he's 33rd in completion rate from a clean pocket, like without even pressure. And his, his completion rate actually goes down when he's under pressure, 43%. We've seen the Cardinals up their tempo, I think, because they even realize how the lack of talent they have right now. But like they're, they're leading the league in no huddle rate the past two weeks. They've upped their pace in neutral game script when within one score. So they're actually firing more plays off now. And honestly, in getting healthier, J.J. Watt at full strength, they're going to get Marco Wilson, their top cornerback, back this week. Um, their defense from week one against the Chiefs in particular isn't something we should take seriously. Like We should actually start weighing their defense from week two on. And they're a league average unit. Maybe below league average, but being slightly below league average is better than whatever the hell Baker Mayfield's doing right now. So I like the Cardinals. The Cardinals are one and a half point dogs. I like them outright. Just bet the money line. As everybody knows, we are talking to four for four fantasy football analysts and bet spurts handicapping analysts, John Daigle. John, you look at the NFC West. Everybody thought that this division was going to stand out from the rest. Besides the Seahawks and Geno Smith and that rebuilding team, Jamal Adams is out for the season. Thank God, because I can't stand his mouth. But nevertheless, the Rams, the 49ers, and the Cardinals, everybody thought that these three teams could be playoff teams. And the Rams, they, they've they been okay. They haven't been good. Matthew Stafford looks not healthy, okay? He, he just doesn't seem like he's 100% healthy. And this team, which was so good offensively last year, have not been a good offensive team. They've been more defensively sound uh, throughout the last three games. And and the 49ers, um, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo taking over. I think this is a better look for them and a better opportunity for them to win because I just think Trey Lance is still a young player. I just don't know if he's he's ready to take over the reins over there with the San Francisco 49ers. And the Cardinals, I don't know what's up with them. Kyler Murray doesn't shut up, and when he opens his mouth, it seems like – you know, he seems Baker Mayfield-like. He just seems like he throws himself under the bus. And if I was somebody else's teammate, or I, if I was his teammate, I'd just tell him, yo, Kyler, just shut up and play. You have a, such a big mouth. Where do you see this division ending up? Do you think that three out of these four teams make the playoffs? Or really, uh, this this division is very overrated? The issue is that the entire NFC is overrated, and I think we kind of knew that. But the fact the... Rams, as you mentioned, are regressing, Mm -hmm. even though I still have faith in them. Like even last week, 
only to throw 25 pass attempts. And the box score really didn't show it, but they had two red zone fumbles and a dropped end zone touchdown. Like they should have, they should have honestly scored 40 points in that game. So I don't really worry about the Rams, but the issue is the NFC is wide open. That's why I still think the Vikings sneak into the playoffs. And that's why I still think honestly, the Rams come out as division. I have zero faith in Geno Smith long-term. His completion rate is so high because he's just dumping the ball up. Essentially, even DK Metcalf has become more of a, He's being u- not really being used in the slot, but he's more of a slot receiver and that their dumping off pass is shallower to him. Uh, I still like Tyler Lockett in fantasy too, by the way, over DK Metcalf. Lockett has the higher target share the past two games. But overall, it's just a wide open division. And so I'll just keep going back to the Rams who have more faith in their personnel because the 49ers, we know what they are. Like they've already shown us who they are with Garoppolo. They have a limited ceiling and maybe that's enough to get them to the NFC Conference Championship, but... It's still a very limited team, honestly. Uh, losing Trent Williams also, the best left tackle in the NFL, is very worrisome for that offensive line. Young, developing players on their interior. And so, yeah, I, I actually still I, – I believe what you said. Like, I agree and that the Rams are worse this year. But I think the division is so bad, that, and the conference is so bad that it doesn't matter. I still think it's the Rams that comes out of it. Hmm. So what about future bets for the rest of the season? Any value that you like right now, being that it is a kind of a wacky year? Uh, the Broncos, I still think, are interesting to win their division. They're plus 350, and they have the easiest schedule. There's a there's a lot of reason to believe the, the Chiefs just aren't the lead offense they were. Uh, if Patrick Mahomes tends to look around now, again— if he doesn't see Travis Kelsey open and like he doesn't see Judas Schuster or Marcus Valdez Scantling open either, that's the problem. And so like losing Tyreek Hill has mattered the past two games. And so I just wonder if like this is not like an explosive offense whatsoever, especially one that just dumps off the ball most of the time. Miko Hardman is their deep threat. Like Miko Horvick, come on. And so yeah, I actually still like to bet the Broncos to win the division. Wow. Uh, and then Eagles going to the Super Bowl. I know y'all don't like to hear it, but if you look at their schedule. The toughest team they play, I genuinely think, is the Saints. And that's not even a tough team for the rest of the season. We knew they drew the easiest path, but like how good they're playing plus their schedule now makes them a serious contender to at least make it to the Super Bowl because it's just so soft the rest of the way. So Jalen Hurts MVP down from 40 to wow. 1 at the beginning of the season. Uh, Eagles to ha- finish with the best record in the NFL given their schedule. Uh, it's that soft. And so, yeah, I, I think those are my favorite future bets. Well, first of all, if you know who I am, I am an Eagles fan over the years. I'm a, I'm a Jet fan, but over the years, the Jets have been so bad. I, I've always right. loved Donovan McNabb, and uh, I've, I've followed the Eagles. And over the years with Andy Reid, uh, if the Jets weren't making the playoff, which they never did, I uh, I was the Eagle. I was an Eagle guy. So, I, I, I root on the Eagles. I hope the Eagles play well this year. I, I'm not a big Eagle fan fan. You know what I mean? I don't like mm-hmm. the Eagles fans, but I, I I love watching them. I think they're a very good team. Smith, A.J. Brown. I think adding A.J. Brown to that offense is definitely going to give them that that grand slam type of guy that can go out there and get the ball for you and be that guy that's going to take the hits and take the beating out in the field because uh, Smith is not a big man. And... I love what they did in the offseason on their secondary. They have the best secondary in football. It's not even an argument anymore. So I, I, I love what they did. And and really, Darius Sly, Slay has been fantastic. You saw what he did against Jefferson. And this front seven hasn't really 
developed into the, the front seven we thought they were going to be yet. I mean, Jordan Davis hasn't exploded yet. He had his first sack last week. When he figures things out, watch out for the Eagles' defense. They're going to be fantastic. So uh, any any teams that you think are going to disappoint collapse the rest of the year? You mentioned the Broncos as a potential turnaround candidate. Maybe a 3-0, and 2-1 and early one right now that you are, think is fraudulent. The... Colts and Titans, I still question because they're kind of hovering around the AFC South right now. No one's thinking twice about them. Um, but honestly, like the way their quarterback play has been this year, I do question if they'll they'll hang around. And I understand someone has to win the AFC South. And even though we've already talked about betting the Eagles this week, I think Jaguars are still the best team to come out of there. So yeah. if you can get plus odds and the Jaguars win the division, I still think that's it. Also, like – the Saints, they've been a disaster for more quarters than they've scored in. Like um, Their offense has kind of been a joke except for two quarters all year. And so I very much worry. Like They brought, they now have fun Jameis Winston back. And fun Jameis Winston is good for fantasy, but for like actually winning games, it's an absolute disaster. Uh, he's launching the ball at the sixth highest rate in the league, 20-plus yard downfield or a top six rate. And like the completion rate, just it varies, honestly, because he's not a great deep passer either. And so, yeah, I, I would look for ways to bet against the Saints. The Bucks have not been fun. I understand they're not a fun team to watch, but they're still the most efficient team in that, in that division with the best defense. And so I still look for... Maybe the Bucks to get a high number there. We are talking to four for four fantasy football analyst, bet spurts, handicapping analyst, John Diggle. Last question for me. And uh, I think a lot of people think Buffalo is the best team in the AFC. I, I've never thought that. Okay. I, I love Josh Allen. I think they have the weapons. I, I question their running game. I, uh, maybe they make a trade at the trade deadline. Maybe they go after Saquon Barkley. A lot of people believe that the Giants might be willing to do something like that. And being that Dable's there and uh, the GM's there, maybe that happens. Who knows? Who is the favorite to come out of the AFC in your eyes? I do actually still think it's the Bills, but but I haven't been – I've never bet it because – the AFC is murderer's row. That's where all the good teams are. Um, you have to get to the playoffs, and then it just becomes coin tosses between Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. The list goes on. And so like, I actually just think it comes down to the playoff bracket more than anything. I will be looking to bet it again once the bracket is released, and we'll know how seeding works out. But like right now, I just generally don't think it's worth betting any Super Bowl futures because – even last year, remember, the Chiefs and Bills, even if you bet it correctly, it didn't matter. It just came down to who had the ball last. And I understand overtime rules changed, but that's what these that's what these teams are now too because the AFC is so good and all the talents in the AFC. So re-bet it again when we get to seedings. John, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, we'll definitely get you on a fifth time before the season's over. Uh, you give us some so many good takes for, to move forward in fantasy and, and what your thoughts are are going on going into week four for the NFL. We really appreciate joining us. I genuinely enjoy joining you boys. And then, yes, just reach out. I'll be happy to jump back on. How's your fiancé? Or, I'm sorry, your girlfriend. <laughs> she's she's very happy. She's doing well in life. Well, I appreciate you, you asking. She's with you. I mean, you seem like a cool, down-to-earth guy. Is she a sports fan? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> she does not like sports, but that's okay. All right. So well, uh, at least, at least by the next time we get you on, we'll see how many, uh, weddings you go to our counterpart, uh, Ryan Noonan, uh, who you, I know you work with, uh, he, we had him on the show and he was telling you, uh, telling a lot of good stories on that. And, uh, I, I think I like one of the tweets too. 
Too many weddings. Uh, I, uh, I went to I went to four this off season, and uh, when you have friends that are both younger and older, you get the friends that are getting remarried and the friends that are getting married at young. And uh, you don't have to go to these things. Like I overnighted, I red eyed, I did a draft with like an industry draft with Jake Seely of the Athletic, <laughs> uh, Andy Barons of Yahoo in New York, and literally overnighted to a wedding in LA the very next morning. You're crazy. Um, You're crazy. Well, my friends are crazy. Tell them to stop getting married. That's my point. Fantasy football weddings. You're next, buddy. You're next. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see what happens. John, thank you for joining us. Thanks, boys. Have a great night. As everybody knows, we were talking for four for four. We were talking to four for four fantasy football analysts and Betsburg handicapping analyst John Daigle. When we come back, our new guest, and I'm very excited to get him on. We will be talking to NFL and college football expert Derek Mountain here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. Speedy, what kind of music do you pick, man? I mean, seriously. We went for two Coolios today. I, I know the song. I know the track. But, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number. You can check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Thank you, Mr. John Daigle, for joining us. He was fantastic. As always, our fourth and first time for a fourth guest. It, it's he's he's been on our show for four times at fourth times, and uh, he's been fantastic. But uh, we have a new guest, and we're very excited to have him on. We are now talking to NFL and college football expert, as his brother tells me, Derek Mountain. Derek, what's going on, bud? Not too much. Uh, how you guys doing? Well, I mean, it's, uh, we're watching football. Our our, our producer, or my producer's uh, computer, absolutely died. He has no charger, so we're not watching the football game now on Amazon Ooh. Prime. Uh, this TV in our studio, we have a 50-inch TV, but it doesn't have – it's not a smart TV. So uh, we can't watch the football game during oh. the live show, so – yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna apologize right now. My eyes are veering towards the TV. That's I just right. gotta, I, I gotta check in a little bit. But yeah, I, I, I got the game on, so I'll, I'll keep you, uh, I'll keep you boys updated. Well, we're we're watching, we're watching the score. It's, I think it's 14-12 Bengals right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And yep. uh, I actually p- predicted the Bengals to win this game. And last week, I was dead on on my picks. I had Miami winning against Buffalo, I had Carolina winning against the Saints. Uh, I was not sure about the Indianapolis game, but I wasn't surprised that Indiana won. If they if they lost that game, they would have been done. The season would have been over. But before we get into that, um, how are you doing? Uh, obviously, uh, you went on a nice little trip with your brothers uh, to watch Alabama and Texas uh, play yes. a fan- fantastic game. How was it? What was it like over there in Texas? So. We didn't go into the game. We went to a tailgate spot. Not as many Bama fans as I thought, to be honest. It was um, it, it was a lot of burnt orange. I mean, you're obviously in Austin, but Bama fans travel really well. But just an unbelievable atmosphere. I really wish Texas won because it's the one time I'm in Austin, and that would that would have been their biggest win since the Rose Bowl in 06. Um, so it was an incredible game. Honestly, Texas deserved to win, but they didn't. Alabama seems to always find a way. Texas 
seems to find a way to always lose those games uh, as of recent memory. Um, but it, it, it was a, it was an awesome atmosphere. The game day atmosphere just around the stadium was 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 great. See, they ruined the best high headline that would have been if they actually held on and won that game because Texas took the lead on the game-winning field goal, and their kicker's last name is Auburn, so it could have been Auburn beats Alabama before the Iron Bowl, <laughs> and they just blew it. Their defense just had to blow it because that's what Texas likes to do in big games. Well, once he missed that field goal, it's like that's it. You can the game's over. I don't I don't need to re- watch the rest of it. I will, but I I know what's going to happen. Bama's going to scrape by, even though they're being brutally outplayed right now, especially for Bama standards. And that's what happened. And again, now they get to go to the SEC. They got their test finally, and then they still <laughs> yeah. find a way to lose. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, exactly. don't, don't worry, Oklahoma might have to deal with similar pains, except I trust their coach a little oh, more yeah. than Sarkeesian at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking to NFL and college football expert Derek Mountain. Now, Derek, you watch the NFL, and the NFL has been back and forth with a lot of these teams over the last couple of years. And, and, and going into the season, everybody thought that the AFC was pretty much uh, dominated uh, in one division, the the AFC West, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders. The Raiders have been absolutely terrible all season long. Josh McDaniels, I think all the Raider fans want want his head. He could be out before the season's end. I mean, he he ran the Broncos to the ground, and one year he was fired. He he drafted Johnny Manziel. That didn't work out. And uh, I'm sorry, not Johnny Manziel, T- Tim Tebow. It didn't work out over there. And uh, you see the difference of what a, a team that spent a lot of money, they gave Devontae Adams all this money. He's been, you know, complaining about the, the calls and even complaining about his friend Derek Carr. And then the Chiefs. Uh, they lost Tyreek Hill, and everybody thought that this offense wasn't going to be as fun to watch, but they're the same offense, and uh, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes. The Broncos, they look horrible when it comes to the offensive calls. Nathaniel Hackett, I know it's early, but uh, the fans want him out. He could be out. You know, If, if they start to lose, he could be out before the, se- before the 10th or 11th week. And then there's the Chargers with the injuries they have. They lost Slater for the season now. Uh, they lost Bosa maybe for the next five or six weeks. What is going on in this division? Where do you see this division ending up? Where do I see it ending up? I mean, you have to give the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt until somebody dethrones them. I just think when Mahomes is at quarterback, when Andy Reid's on the sideline, they still have Kelsey. I know Tyree Kill isn't there, but that trio is as dynamic as it gets on the offensive side of football in the NFL. I know that they have question marks on defense, but they've actually been pretty stingy in the first three weeks, more than what we're used to seeing. They've kind of been a big liability, especially since Mahomes has been the QB there. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I am always a sucker for the Chargers every offseason because you <laughs> so look at the roster and, yep, and it looks unbelievable. It looks great on paper. You, you think about it in your head, how the season's going to go. You see Herbert making all these ridiculous throws. You get excited about Staley. He's this young guy on fourth down, all that fun stuff. And, their season looks over now, and it, it, and we're going into week four, and, and there's no hope. I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable how this seems to happen to this team every <laughs> single year, but it, it just does. And between the Broncos and Raiders, to be honest with you, I think they're a little bit overhyped. Um, I get the Adams acquisition was sexy, and, but what, why are they in win-now win mode? Why are they throwing away draft capital? Not a Devontae Adams away from being a Super Bowl team. And now they're stuck with 
And I don't want to say stuck because Monte Adams is still a great player, but he's 30 years old. I think he just turned 30 this offseason. You got rid of two premium picks for him. You made him the highest paid receiver in football. I mean, these are decisions that hold you back a couple years. I mean, these they, they need more players. They need a lot more players than just Devontae Adams. I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think I never was a fan of the McDaniels hire. This is where they're at, and I kind of think they're in purgatory right now. I mean, even if they kind of salvage the season and get to eight wins, where does that really push you? I mean, it, mm. it, it's it's purgatory. It's the worst place to be in the NFL. See, you're, you're the same boat as Errol. He always loves the Chargers at the beginning of the we season, We got something too. in common, Derek. And then, and then you have me, who calls them the least clutch <laughs> team suckers. in football. <laughs> I call them the least suckers. clutch team in football because you're right. Their talent is amazing. I think they're a top six roster, but they always find the weirdest ways to lose. Exhibit always. A, week two. They're cursed. They're on the three-yard line. They're on the three-yard line, and they throw a pick six. That's what cost them the game against the Chiefs. And yeah. you, you say they're cursed, which is funny, too. Our our guy that hosts our sports betting show, uh, Wake and Bake, <laughs> uh, he, grows, he grew up up in San Diego, and he says the same thing. Until the Spanos family sells the team, they are cursed forever. And he yep. actually had a nice, uh, he had a nice parody song about that too. Um, on the Adams please family. don't sing it. I'm not going to sing it. No, Ch- Ch- <laughs> if Chaz was on the show, I'd let him sing it. It's his song. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna steal his moment. But yeah, that that ends up being the case. So, what about the rest of the AFC as a whole too? We've seen the AFC South kind of. I mean, they weren't supposed to be great, but we've seen a lot of their teams underwhelm. And then Jacksonville uh, looking very strong so far. You think what they're doing is sustainable right now? now with Doug Peterson now as head coach? I mean, really small sample size, right? It's it's We're going into week four. Take everything with a little bit of grain of salt. They're top seven in DVOA in both offense and defense. Them and the Eagles are the only two teams in the league to be in that standing going into week four. I don't know if it's sustainable to play at this high of a level, but I do think they're legit. I would make them my favorite to win the AFC South as wow. things stand, I think. The Titans are definitely on the decline. Uh, there's no question about that. We kind of knew that. Seeing A.J. Brown leave, Tannehill's cap hit went up to, I think, $38 million this year. They're just not spending money at other places and other positions. Um, the Texans are the Texans. I mean, I think they were the favorite to be the first pick before the season. We kind of know. The Colts, like, I, I'm honestly shocked by what I've seen from them. It's it's terrible football. And I know that they beat the Chiefs, but the Chiefs really beat themselves last week. I'm not giving the Colts very much credit for what they did in week three. I was not impressed. I still think there are a ton of question marks on that offense. Um, and frankly, unless Frank Reich wins that division this year, he he should be gone. I mean, they've had they've, they've had too many excuses built in every single year. I think the Jaguars are head and shoulders above everyone in that division. Frank Reich will get fired, then he'll be on Doug, Doug Peterson's coaching staff again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad gig. It worked in 2017, so. I would love to see the Jets hire him because uh, Mike LaFleur is not the guy. Uh, I'm just I'm just saying everything that I've seen with the New York Jets offensively, running and throwing have been absolutely horrendous. They have weapons, but uh, they have a weapon sitting on the bench right now that's probably not even uh, – we're not going to see all season long. And Denzel Mims, he'll go somewhere else. He'll go play for Green Bay, and he'll become a star. And then the Jets will be making excuses on why he didn't play. Oh, he 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 he, he can't eat, or he, he starved himself, or he hurt his foot, or some crap that you're going to hear from the Jets because that's what the Jets do. I'm a Jet fan, and I don't want to hear it from the Jet fans that are listening to the show right now. You know that the New York organizations – including the New York Jets, always find a way to complain and 
lie to the fans. De- so, Derek, I do want to mention this too. Going back to the Jaguars, the irony is they should have been playing in the Super Bowl, but they did, the, the referee <laughs> decided to call Miles Jack down. Miles Jack, he never fumbled. He never fumbled. Yeah, well, he's down. Sorry, he's down. So it could have been the Jaguars' future head coach uh, versus their team in the Super yeah. Bowl. I think the Eagles still would have won, but it's still like it's interesting to think. What and could now have been. Miles Jack is with P- Pittsburgh, so figure that one out. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we get into uh, the New York teams? And obviously, I. I don't know who you root for. Uh, what team do you root for? I'm an Eagles fan. Oh, good. Uh, all right. Oh, we have something else in common because besides yeah. being a Jet fan for over the years, I have been a Donovan McNabb fan. I followed him uh, when he played for Syracuse, when he was drafted by Philadelphia, and I, f- I followed him his whole career, and I, I became an Eagles fan because of him. Uh, I'm a Jet fan, but I root – for the Eagles as well. I want the Eagles to play well, and I love what the Eagles are doing right now, but we'll get into the Eagles in just a few moments. Um, With the Jets, and I I will say this, Joe Flacco played very well for the three weeks he played. He he did. I I, I can't argue anything. He he had three, two 300 win, uh, uh, was it two? It was two 300-yard games, and last week he had a 285-yard game, uh, almost 300. He would have been the first Jet in Jets history to have back-to-back-to-back 300-yard games. Shows you how bad the quarterback play has been over there. Um, And also, uh, some of the young players. uh, Garrett Wilson looks like he's going to be a star. Brees Hall could be very much a star. Michael Carter, when he does get the ball, looks like he can actually carry the ball. There are pieces there that make sense and and could be pieces that you could build on. But you don't know who the quarterback is. You don't know what this offensive line is. You don't know who this coach is. And this offensive coordinator has his head so far up his ass. So what do you see of this team in the first three weeks? And where do you see this team going as they get healthier with Dwayne uh, Brown and obviously George Font whenever he comes back and Zach Wilson actually is, is playing? Yeah, so they're another team. I was really excited about what they were doing, as was everyone, especially the draft. Joe Douglas, he comes from that Howie Roseman tree where he wants to accumulate value in draft picks. He wants to get as much young talent as he can. And I think he's done a good job of that. You, you just rattled off all those weapons they have on offense, on defense. They spent a lot of money. Uh, you look at Jordan Whitehead, who hasn't necessarily played well. But Jordan Whitehead, D- DJ Reed, <laughs> uh, CJ Mosley. Quinn Williams was a draft pick that's going to get paid this offseason. Carl Lawson, who we finally get to see in action. Thanks. They're big names, though. I mean, they were good before they got there. They, I don't <laughs> know why it's not clicking in a New York Jet uniform. And to be honest with you, I put some of that on Salah. I think he has kind of been off the hook his first couple years of coaching. And last week was the first week where I was really like, I don't know what his plan is. I don't think he's as adaptable as I thought he was. And specifically against the Bengals, they were struggling for two weeks against two high shells against cover two. And what does Robert Sala do? He runs cover two, I think, on two or three percent of snaps of the game last week. I think on two total snaps, some some crazy stat. And I, I get running your system to a point. I mean, in the NFL, you're not going to keep out talenting guys every single week. And he comes from that Seattle tree, the Legion of Boom, where they were in cover three every single snap. They had Earl Thomas in center field, Brandon Browner in the other. They had Cam Chancellor in the box. Two bona fide Hall of Famers. You had another one in Cam Chancellor. He's probably not a Hall of Famer, but he was one of the best box safeties of that generation. I mean, that was 
And you had Bobby Wagner in the middle of that defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they were absolutely loaded. It's probably the best defense we've seen in the last 20 years in the NFL. Um, I don't know if you could carry that over to the Jets. I don't know if that's a philosophy that I would get excited. I'm a little bit disappointed in Sala. I don't know if he utilizes and maximizes all of his talent because they're another team. Like I said, I was really excited about all the talent that they've accumulated over the last two, three years under Douglas. So uh, I know Errol said it on our show a couple of times too. And there's a lot of Jets fans that believe that if they do, if they do end up uh, having a losing record this year, maybe a top 10 pick, they could move on from Zach Wilson, maybe trade him and draft another quarterback again. Mm -hmm. Do you see that kind of path? It depends on how he plays. It's all contingent on how he plays. I think last year is a really, really low bar. And I don't want to be mean because it was a bad situation. Mm-hmm. The old line was not as good as it should have been this year. And you said it, Beckton's out for the year. Fant's on IR. Dwayne Brown's on IR already. So they're down their fourth and fifth tackles. So, that, so I do sympathize with Zach there as a second-year quarterback. But just look at the numbers. 30th in QBR. 37 qualifying quarterbacks. He was 37th in EPA per play. He was 37th in completion percentage over expectation. I mean, the list goes on and on. It was so brutal for the kid last year. And the weapons were really bad. I mean, Elijah Moore had stints where he missed a lot of action. Same with Corey Davis. So he's rolling with Keelan Cole, Jeff Smith, Braxton Berrios is his top receiver a lot of weeks. So they have to make it a mulligan this year because he has weapons in place to do some damage. He needs to take considerable leaps. And if he does that, even if they don't win games, I think if he shows enough progress, it will be enough for them to move on into year three with Zach Wilson and get excited about him. Um, At that point, it just becomes a health thing with the O-line. So um, we'll see. I, I think it, but I think it's all circumstantial. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, if they get to their six and 11, they have to move off Wilson. I, I don't know about that. No. And I, I agree with you. I, I want to see growth. I want, he has weapons now. Garrett Wilson is a bona fide number one. There's no yes. question. Elijah Moore is a bona fide number two. Corey Davidson has pot hands. Conklin has pot hands. We've seen it. They they stink. They can't hold on to the ball. I, I, I could go on and on and on. I can cry about this team. And I, when I watch the game, I want to rip my 65-inch TV off the wall <laughs> half the time because I'm watching Robert Sala on the sidelines. He's got his head so far up his ass. You're sitting there. You're screaming. And then the players are coming on the sidelines. He's hugging them. What are you kidding me? Quinn Williams should not be yelling at his coaches. One, I mean, when you watch that happen and, and, and you watch what this team is doing, this front seven, which is supposed to be so good, Rankins, Quinton Williams, Carl Lawson, this offensive, I mean, this defensive line, this front seven was supposed to be good. It was supposed to be good. Yeah. Finally, they're healthy, and now they're making excuses. And by the way, Franklin Myers, you gave him $50 million? Are you kidding me? I, I cannot. I repeat, I cannot sit here and say it any further than what, what the truth is. And I, I love what they did in the secondary. Whitehead stinks, okay? He is horrible. Joyner stinks. He is horrible. Why is it that you have watched in the last three games every single team go after – the two safeties and not go after DJ Reed or Gardner. They they went after Gardner one time because he's a rookie. He made a mistake. Fine. 
Every single time they sneak the wide receiver in the back of the safeties because the safeties don't see it and they're a bunch of idiots and they don't know what they're doing. Whitehead had a chance to tackle Boyd on the forty on the on the Bengals forty yard line. He tackles him, tries to tackle him, and he just runs right past him and, and runs a fifty yard touchdown. It was horrible. It, it, they're not tackling right. This team stinks. Okay, I'm a Jet fan. This team stinks. I, okay, I'd rather take a crap on a toilet and read a newspaper than watch this football team play. And if Zach Wilson doesn't come in week number four and actually throws the ball and actually completes passes because Mike LaFour is a complete moron, I am going to shut off the TV and never watch this team again for the rest of the season. I'm sorry, but that's how I feel. The funny thing about the Jets, talk about the defense. The corners that they've thrown out the last year or two, it's just like funny. I mean, it was like Bryce Hall and like Brandon Eccles last year. It's like these no-name guys. And like I actually like Hall. I think he's like feisty, but he, he can't start on your team. And then they take a total 180. And I think you could have an argument that Reed and Gardner are one of the best tandems mm-hmm. in football right yep. now. They're not even testing them on the outside. Mm-mm. You play the Bengals last week. Jamar Chase held under 30 yards. T. Higgins does again the end zone. It's Tyler Boyd that, that – absolutely burns the secondary in the slot. And it, I mean, it makes sense to They're not testing the guys on the outside. They're just going to go in the middle of the field, test those linebackers, test the guy like Whitehead, who's not comfortable running in space. He's there for run defense when he's playing right. And especially in a Tampa defense last year, where he had a lot of supporting help. He could be really aggressive. They brought more pressure than anyone in football. Mm-hmm. I think that was a great, now he's being exposed. I mean, LaMarcus Jorner, I mean, his best years are behind him. Mm-hmm. He's been, an outside corner. He's been a slot corner in Vegas. He's they tried to put him in as a post safety, and you're seeing that now. And it's not really a good fit. So it's just funny when they figure out corners, then they have probably the worst safety tandem in football right now. Oh my god, they're I, horrible. I wonder if the uh, the Rams defensive backs <sighs> are going to be the new USC quarterbacks. Mm. They tried Tremaine Johnson and Lamarcus Joyner didn't work, and then they tried Mark Sanchez and Sam Darnold. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. <laughs> Watching this team just makes me want to throw up, okay? And then I watch Miami. They're they're getting better. You watch Buffalo. They're awesome. The Patriots, they stink, but they're still winning. I, I mean, and then the Jets, they're one and two, and they're, they're happy about coming back from one of the, the greatest comebacks in NFL history. And what do they do? They la- lay up a lousy goose egg against a Bengal team that gave up 13 sacks in the first two weeks. Are you kidding me? And I don't want to hear from the Jet fans. Well, Carl Lawson gets to the quarterback more than any pass rusher in the NFL. And what does that do for us? Absolutely zilch. Garbage. This team is garbage. And and, and I want to hear Robert Sala. I'm taking the seats. You know what you should take? You should take that, uh, you know, that pad or whatever you're looking and and, and, and actually call the defensive plays because that guy, Oldbridge, is an absolute moron. He doesn't know what he's doing. I, I, I do not know what they're doing defensively. I, if I was Gardner and DJ Reed, I would be sitting on the sidelines just like Mark Sanchez did. He eats a hot dog. I would be eating popcorn, okay? Popcorn watching how stupid the play call. I won't even want to go on the field. They're so stupid. All right, that's just me, Jet fan. As everybody knows, we are talking uh, to NFL and college football expert Derek Mountain. Derek, the the NFL is so very intriguing and very different than we have seen in any other sport. And the reason why is every single year – there could be a team that is absolutely horrible one year and then become one of the more dominant teams in the NFL the next year. Maybe because of their free agencies, maybe some of these rookies. 
uh, actually start to develop, or maybe their draft is just that damn good, a.k.a. the New York Jets. What is that doing for us? But that's another, that's another story. The Eagles, uh, your team, has been very interesting. And, and I, I will say this. Uh, they brought in a coach. A lot of people made fun of him. He looked like Adam Gase, his weird eyes. They called him crazy eyes. And uh, his first season, they were, I think they were 9-8. and eight. Yep. They, they make the playoff, uh, the playoffs, and, and they showed some personality. And then in the offseason, they added so many good pieces. They made trades, and they had a great draft. And they brought in A.J. Brown. They traded away a piece. They have two first-round draft picks next year. And, and then Jalen Hurts is becoming a star right in front of our eyes. What has stood out to you in the last two years on the development of this team? Man, there's a lot to unpack with how Howie Roseman has built the team. And I mean, it was it was really bad after 2019 and 2020 when once you sign him to that big extension, you get excited about what he did in 2017. He gets hurt. He comes back the next year. He's fine. He takes a step back, but he gets hurt again against Seattle in the wild card. You're still excited about him. I mean, Apparently, teams are still excited about trading for him every single offseason. I have no idea why, but that's another discussion. Um, but it was really bad for a while. I mean, Howie had overpaid a lot of the guys that got him that ring in 2017, and they were in a hole. I mean, they didn't draft well for a period of time. They were strapped for, for money for a while, and Howie found a way to get himself out of that stuff, specifically Carson Wentz, the guys that have stuck around, like a Fletcher Cox, like Elaine Johnson, like Brandon Graham, those kind of staples in the locker room. I think it brought along a lot of young guys, and you see it paying dividends now. You see Jormai Lotta at left tackle, looking like a borderline all-pro the last two years. You have Guys in the D-line littered with talent. I mean, Josh Sweat, he's a day three pick. He's looked awesome. They just signed him to a $40 million deal this offseason. They get Reddick in the building from free agency. They bring in Jordan Davis in the draft. I mean, kind of hit all the right buttons. They've kind of un Howie's kind of undid everything wrong that he had done post-Super Bowl. The, the post three years after the Super Bowl were, were, were pretty grim for, for Eagles fans. And I think we're a little quick to remember that, but you have to give him so much credit for how quickly he's turned it around here. The Eagles are always one of those weird anomaly teams. They, yes, they, are. they, they have these great years where they have these grand expectations that underwhelm and then they'll just come out of nowhere. Like any Reed's first year after, or any Reed got, went to the chiefs, Chip Kelly's first year, they go to the playoffs and everyone thinks they're going to win the Super Bowl because Chip Kelly's this next big mm-hmm. breakthrough head coach. And they underwhelm that year. And then they trades every, in the next offseason so oh. uh, all of a sudden and then they win a Super Bowl out of nowhere a couple of years later and then they go down they go back up I mean now a lot of people love them there's just a weird team to root for so what, uh, what about on the impressions of the identity of the Eagles because this is what is considered a passing league I know we had a, just a John Daigle on he was saying like raw quarterback numbers have been kind of down he this loves year. The Eagles by the yes, way yes he does but can you see this kind of identity kind of taking over and being able to win a Super Bowl in what is considered a passing NFL kind of a quarterback league like we've seen the last three Super Bowls? Yeah, I think we're witnessing the shift right now. And I know that the reason you couldn't really take the Eagles that seriously last year is because they weren't an efficient team throwing the football. And I think part of that was the development of Jalen Hurts. Never really unlocked the middle of the field at Oklahoma and his first full year starting last year with the Eagles. And this year, once A.J. Brown came in, I mean, 
it, it completely changed the picture. I mean, he is the he is arguably the best receiver between the hash marks in the National Football League. He is one of the best receivers in the National Football League with the football in his hands. So it's the ultimate kind of multiplier, force multiplier for your quarterback. But Jalen Hurts has also taken considerable steps in the mental. Anticipation's a lot better. I think his ability to go from his first to his second to his third read and then run is much better than it was last year where he, where he had his eyes up for a read and then he kind of ducked his eyes down. He decided he was going to run. And that was kind of the identity of the team last year. For four or five weeks, they were this pass-happy team and they started out – it was a disaster start it was a two and five start and they get embarrassed in that monday night game against dallas where they ran the ball like four or five it's one of the craziest things i ever saw and they had this catastrophic change in philosophy where they just said we're gonna pound the rock we have a better line than you we have a dynamic running quarterback and we can run the football 60 percent of the time and it won them a lot of games but they didn't beat anybody good i mean they didn't beat a team over 500 last year um but once you brought in A.J. Brown, you have Devontae now as a number two receiver. Zach Pascal from Indy as your fourth receiver. You still have Quez in the slot. I mean, that's a that's a headache for a defense. There's a lot to account for. Um, you've seen all those guys have their moments in the early stretch of the season. And it's just really hurt, helped bring Hurts along. And I think everything's coming together now. We are talking to NFL and college football expert Derek Mountain. Derek, you have a family that's in the sports industry. Obviously, your father, Steve Mountain, uh, he's been in the industry a very long time. Your brother is now uh, an agent, uh, 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 now a good friend and a guy that I've been working with. What is it like being a part of a family that's so into sports and has been really involved in the sports industry for such a long time? It definitely gives you a different perspective, I think. Uh, you just see more behind-the-scenes stuff. I think you gain a little bit more maybe dealings behind closed doors, how things come together, how things work uh, beyond maybe the surface level. Um, so I think I'm a little bit more skeptical than <laughs> some people. That um, I think I like to see both sides or maybe there are three or four sides to a story where people where it's never really viewed like that. Sometimes it's black and white and we want to make everything. It's he's either good or he's bad. Usually the answer's in the middle. So I think just gaining that extra perspective uh, and, and kind of trying to see everything from every angle. So Errol also mentioned you're a big college football guy. There mm -hmm. is a lot of big coaching shifts this offseason. We were talking about it earlier with uh, Brett Venables going to Oklahoma. Uh, Lincoln Riley goes to USC uh, as a result. Brian Kelly to LSU. What a, a benefit. Watch If you're watching USC, th this is going to make them a championship competitive team. They're not a defensive-minded team, but USC is going to be up for a Rose Bowl, and they're, they're going to be up for a national title very, very soon. I, I, I love what everything Lincoln Riley is doing. Well, Rose Bowl is essentially a home field advantage. If any of those got, people want to go to the game, that's another question. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what do you think? Do you think that kind of thing could be a, a new norm now with a lot of these uh, programs with the money that they have now, uh, just these coaches shifting and being fired and rehired so quickly? Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, we just saw it with Scott Frost. I mean, they <laughs> deflected hire buyout, whatever it was. I think it was $24 million. It would have been cut in half if they waited three weeks to fire him, and they said no. And that's Nebraska, and I get they're a blue blood. We, we can continue to live in the 90s, but – I mean, they're second and third class in the Big Ten now, and Nebraska did that. They said they're going to pay up. We don't want to be mediocre. We don't want to be bad in the Big Ten. I mean, it says a lot about the state of college football right now. You see Brian Kelly 
<laughs> oh, and what was, I mean, I don't like Brian Kelly, but he was successful. Notre Dame was, it, it was ugly before he got there. They, they hadn't figured it out since the nineties, really, until Brian Kelly came there and kind of pieced it back together. They were never an Alabama type program, but they would make their college football appearances. They would get blown out by 40. It was a nice annual tradition, but it's a lot better than what it is in the early going right now. He goes into this foreign territory in the SEC. He's never been an assistant coach in the SEC. He's never even coached south of the Mississippi. Um, money in LSU, it's a huge opportunity. The brand is bigger than Notre Dame. I mean, that's just the direction of the sport right now. It is, it's the Wild West. Yeah, well, here's the Wild West. Finally, the players are getting paid as much as the coaches are getting paid. Uh, I, I mean, seriously, these coaches are making $9, 10 $11 dollars. And what are they doing? Sitting on their asses, giving them a playbook. And, and these kids are deciding to go to these schools because now they're opening their pockets. Ask, uh, you know, Archie Manning. Uh, he, he decides he doesn't want to go to LSU. He doesn't want to go to Alabama. He wants to go to, I don't know, Texas. Who would have thought that Archie Manning was going to take Texas over all the other teams recruiting him? I, I know why. Uh, there is, I don't know, eight, maybe nine digits telling him why he did. So uh, we, we understand how the, the college game is going to work. Uh, what were your thoughts to now the new, uh, the new decided rules and, and how these players are now getting paid through sponsorships and advertisements. Did you like this? Did you, did you agree to this uh, when they decided to move forward with the NCAA? Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, I think he hit the nail on the head. And you just see all these usually older people that are going to get really upset about this stuff. And when, it, when I played, it was this. Look, that stuff's great, but that's not what NCAA, especially Power 5 football is. And Let's not be naive about it. We're talking about the dollar signs being thrown around. I mean, we just saw the deal that the Big Ten struck with CBS, $8.8 billion over seven years over, over media rights. Are you kidding me? I mean, why why does CBS want that deal? Do they want to see Scott Frost on the sidelines? He's not there anymore. Do they want to see Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines? No. Those are the big ticket. Those are the big money items. I think it's, it's overdue. I mean, it, it's good that they corrected it, but it was way too long. I mean, there were so many guys. Can you imagine some of Vince Young, Reggie Bush, mm. the money that those guys would have gotten? I mean, I don't feel too, too bad for some of those guys. I mean, they did well in the NFL, but – it was. It got to a point where it was almost exploitation. It was almost gross how they treated these college. We can get into the transfer portal stuff, but you transfer, you got to sit a year. But as a coach, I'm Brian Kelly. I get a bigger paycheck at LSU, and I get to coach there tomorrow. That that never sat right with me either. So uh, it, it's good that the players are getting their due now. Brian Kelly never coached anywhere south of Mississippi. Well, Mississippi, <laughs> Mississippi they, they at least have more likable coaches over there with Mike with Mike Leach, great personality, and Lane Kiffin, two, two, two guys Lane you got to love. Yeah, wing train, baby. Oh, yeah. God. Oh. Great, great egg bowls coming. Meanwhile, Brian Kelly's at LSU. They have their own, these rats. college coaches have their own personalities. I'm surprised they're not getting caught. Oh, I, I, there is somebody that did get caught who was coaching Jacksonville last year, uh, hanging out. Hey, he might be coaching bar. Nebraska soon at this rate. <laughs> 
There you go. Yeah. There you go. Full bone, yeah. full bone. You trade. might be back in the Big Ten very soon. <laughs> might be back in the Big Ten to do a full bone swap. So Scott Frost becomes a, a broadcaster at CVS, and and uh, Urban Meyer goes back to coaching Nebraska just to cr- stir up more controversy. I mean, he'll win more How games, wonderful. but. How much more games is the other question? They just Jeez. lost to the new fun conference of the Sun Belt. Mm. <laughs> See, <sighs> also, there's another reason why Notre Dame, what makes a big deal about Notre Dame not being at a conference. They weren't worthy. Uh, Marshall showed them they weren't worthy of the, of the Sun Belt. That's right. The combined, the combined basis of the Sun Belt now between, between. They've had a disaster year, man. Like I, and I'm rooting for this new coach, but like, man, can't lose to Marshall at home. Now, I mean, their their schedule the rest of the way is pretty tough, too. They got Syracuse, who's good this year, Arrow, as you know. Um, they still have Clemson. Uh, Stanford's a little bit better. Uh, I mean, they might lose six or seven games. Oh, boy. No bowl game for Notre Dame? How could they survive? But no, we're, no, we're in an independent conference. We'll be good. I was going to say, they get their own TV network, though. So does Texas, but that doesn't mean that they'll win. Just so you know, Derek, I am a Florida State fan. Growing up in the 90s, it was always... So you're a happy camper. Oh, no. Happy camper. I mean, I've been watching terrible Florida. football. They just made I... Brian Kelly a joke again, so it works. Listen, they're 4-0. <laughs> I, I'm happy that they're 4-0 right now, but uh, I expect when their schedule gets a little harder, uh, them to fall off. But... Uh, I, 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 over the years, you know, in the 90s, it was Miami, who I couldn't stand, and it was Florida State. And Florida State was always the team that, I don't know, stood out to me. I love that. Uh, I love their logo and, and growing up. But as, uh, there was just something about Donovan McNabb that I, I fell in love with, just it, his, his throwing ability. His, he really changed the quarterback position. And I actually had the opportunity, Derek. I was at in Miami a couple of years ago for the Super Bowl. I was doing my show on, at Radio Row, and Donovan was there. And uh, I saw him at a cigar uh, event, because I went to the event, and he didn't want to talk to anybody. He, he, was, he was hosting the event, and he didn't want to speak to anybody. But when I went up to him and I said, listen, I know you, you don't look like you're very happy and you don't want to talk to anybody, but I want to tell you, I've, and I, I'm not a fan. I'm a radio guy, but uh, I know a lot about you. And I, I told him a little bit about him in Syracuse. He winded up just starting to talk to me. I think he fell in love with the fact that I knew a little bit more about him than everybody else. He didn't care about his professional career. I really believe that. I, I just think his professional career was like, at the highest points and then at the lowest points and with the drinking problem that he had over the years and, and he didn't really speak about that. In the NFL, his career, he was drinking a lot and he kind of hid that problem when he was playing for Philadelphia. Andy Reid knew about it, but he kind of threw it under the rug because he's Donovan McNabb. And then when it started to come out when he retired – uh, a lot of people were attacking him and, and saying that he was good for nothing and that maybe that's why T.O. hated him. Uh, it, it was just – it was ridiculous how he was, you know, attacked throughout the NFL and, and these stupid fans that don't know anything – what they're talking about. So I had an opportunity to, to, to speak to, with speak with him and, uh, you know, we – I'm actually trying to get Donovan on the show very, very soon, so I'll let you know about that. But I, I, I've always – rooted for the Eagles because of him. And I, I love what the Eagles are doing right now. I think they are the favorites coming out of the NFC. Uh, there is nobody in the NFC that really stands out to me right now. The Vikings, everybody keeps talking about, 
the Eagles shut them down. Uh, the Green Bay Packers looked horrible last week. And by the way, Tom Brady didn't even have his top wide receivers. Uh, the Bears are horrible. The Lions look like they're growing and they're going to be good in the next couple of years. The Buccaneers stink. Okay, I don't care what anybody says. They're not going anywhere. The Panthers, oh, give me a break. I want to throw up. The Saints, they have no offense. Jameis Winston, yes. Florida State alumni, idiot. And he, if he if he really is good for something, he's good for stealing crab legs. That's about it. Um, but again, Jimbo Fisher might not be much better at this rate. Well, don't don't get me started with him either. I, I want to throw up him in Texas A and M. Uh, the Falcons. I, I like some of the young players. I like Drake. I, I like Pitts, even though they haven't thrown the ball to him. And I, I like what they're doing. I like uh, Cordell Patterson. I always liked him when he was drafted. I finally using him the right way. Uh, I, I, I like the Falcons. They're not going anywhere. The Rams, the Rams are nothing. And, and the 49ers, I, I don't know if I trust them. Seattle stinks. And uh, Kyler Murray, who I respect very, very much, and I picked him to be my MVP this year, he doesn't know when to shut up. So uh, there is nobody, and, and don't get me started with their, their division because their division stinks too. The Cowboys, the, the Giants, <laughs> the Commanders, they stink, okay? There is nobody in the conference that will challenge the Eagles. As a matter of fact, I think the Eagles will be 9-0 and before you know it. They're going to have an undefeated record all the way into Week 9 or Week 10. I just don't see anybody. Their schedule is very easy. You heard John Daigle. There is nothing that sits here and tells me that anybody's going to challenge them. And now they're playing Jacksonville. Jacksonville's defense in a secondary has not been good. And I don't know how they're going to stop A.J. Brown and, and uh, obviously, Devontae Smith and, and the guys that they have. And, by the way, they have a great running game, too. They have three-headed monster that can, get, can catch the ball in the backfield, too. So how is Jacksonville going to be able to stop that uh, going into four quarters? And Jalen Hurts, I, I wasn't a big Jalen Hurts fan. I don't think anybody was. And, and being that they, had, they have two first-round draft picks this year, They'll, they have an opportunity. They can move up in the, in the, in the top ten and get whoever they want. I, I think Jalen Hurts is the real deal. I, I really do. Speedy was right about him uh, this year drafting him in fantasy. I, I thought it was – he drafted him, I think, in the fifth round, sixth no, round? like eighth. Really? Eighth that was round. your first quarterback. Yeah, of course. But, but he drafted him, and I was like, what are you drafting? I, I mean, seriously. I think he drafted Tua, right? Was it you? <laughs> no, I didn't draft Tua. Who did you draft? Only Hurts. Hurts was my only quarterback. That You only drafted one quarterback? Yep. Well, you got it right because Jalen Hurts has been sensational. But uh, what we want to do, and uh, we're going to do this with the first guest on our show. We're going to go to a quick break, and then we're going to do our football picks of the week. I, I would love for you to join us and give us your takes on the football picks. Are you, are you interested in doing that? Let's do it. All right. When we come back, uh, we will be doing our football picks of the week, as we always do. I am kicking the living you-know-what out of Speedy. And everybody, and by, by that, you're winning by two games, but okay. Yeah, it's still, I'm still kicking your rear ends, you know. But are you talking about the weekend crunch or are you talking about our picks last week? Both. Okay. Both, you're winning by two games. Exactly. All right. I'm still kicking your ass. Anyways, when we come back, we will be talking still with NFL and college football expert Derek Mountain here on the Sports Labots. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108. I'm surprised we haven't had any callers tonight. 
We usually get one, two, three callers. Uh, no callers tonight. I'm, hey, listen. It's great when you don't have somebody yelling at you. Uh, you can go and check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Go to iOS, which is Apple, to download our app. WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As everybody knows, we have and we are talking to NFL and college football expert Derek Mountain. He is joining us as we are going to get into our NFL picks of the week. Speedy, you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do it. Game, Speedy. Uh, I'll let you pick the games. All right, and do it. All right, we'll do. Start with the uh, London game, the Minnesota Vikings uh, against the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are technically the home team, but it's in London. Nine. You go start. first, Speedy. All right, and then we'll have Derek and then me. All righty, I'm going to take the Vikings in this one. This is going to be close. I think this will be a lower scoring game because the Saints' defense, especially in the secondary, has been good this year. Their run defense still strong, but I think the Vikings def- defensively have proven a lot more, except against the Eagles. The other two games they played, they've done very well defensively, so I think they hang tough. Jameis Winston will throw two picks to keep him out of this game. Uh, I'll take the Vikings 23-17. Derek, who do you have? Go the other way. I'm going to go with the Saints for all the bad that you said about Jameis. I think this could be a get-right game for him. Uh, The Vikings' secondary has looked really rough the last two weeks, specifically against the Eagles, against the Lions. I mean, I think there are a lot of holes there, specifically on the outside, at corner. I mean, you have Chris Olave. He leads all rookie receivers with 268 receiving yards through three weeks. He's a stud. Michael Thomas should be in the lineup for this one. Jarvis Landry's look good. So I'll take the Saints. It's so interesting, uh, especially last week with the Saints. The Saints completely laid up a dud. Uh, They really did. Uh, Everybody thought that they were going to beat the Carolina Panthers. Carolina had no wins. They looked horrible. Baker Mayfield looked putrid all season long. And they completely laid up a lousy goose egg. In Minnesota, the week before that, uh, I don't know. Uh, The Eagles completely destroyed them. Uh, They took Jefferson out. But uh, I like what Minnesota did last week. And I expect them to come come back strong in England and show show the Saints what they're all about offensively. They have a tremendous amount of weapons. Thielen, who they haven't really used all season long, I think they're going to start using him more. Kirk Cousins will use him more in this game. Alvin Kamara, who didn't play very well last week, coming back uh, from whatever he had as far as injuries are concerned or any of the suspensions he could have as the season progressively moves. Um, I, I think that Alvin Kamara is a lot better than people think he is. So I think he's going to have a good game with the Saints, but it's not going to be enough with the, the Minnesota uh, Minnesota Vikings. I love Cooks. I, I love what they're doing offensively. I'm not a big fan of their defense, but I think they're going to have enough firepower going into England. I have Minnesota winning this game 24-17. All right, next game, first of the 1 o'clock games, the Washington Commanders at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Uh, What a wonderful game. Yeah, this is going to look a lot like the Cowboys-Giants game on Monday night. Uh, I think Dallas wins ugly. Washington's offensive line has not proven a lot this year. Dallas has been able to stop the run, too. Does Dak play? Uh, I don't think so. I game think, time decision. Game time decision. I, I think they're just trying to, like you were saying with the Jets a couple of weeks ago, I think they're just trying to throw Washington off, uh, potentially prepare for both quarterbacks. But they I already think, said he'll be back the week I, after. No yeah, matter what. Cooper Rush, I think, plays this game. I think Dallas will win this with their defense. They could stop the run. And I think Trayvon Diggs will contain one of those top receivers. I'll say 20 to 13. This is a tough I think everyone's going to be on the Cowboys this week. I still think it's the right side. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. And, I mean, PD, you said it. The commander's O-line is rough, and they're going to have to go up against Micah Parsons, Tank Lawrence. I think it's probably going to be too much for Carson Wentz, but 
I mean, we're giving Cooper Rush a lot. Like, we're, we're giving him a, a, a benefit of doubt here. I know he's 3-0 as a starter. He looked good at Monday Night Football, but it's the Giants. I think it's going to be really close the whole way. I'll go with Dallas winning this one in, in an ugly one, something like 20-17. to 17. I was not impressed watching Dallas last week on Monday Night Football. I really, wa- I, I really wasn't. And, and watching what they did against a Giants defense that has a bunch of rookies, Thibodeau, first game, and, and, and Ajalare, he it was his first game of the season. There was nothing that stood out to me that Cowboy, the Cowboys offense is going to go in Dallas and knock off a Washington Commanders team that has weapons. They do. They have McLaurin, Dotson, who I think is going to be get better as the season progressively moves forward. And Gibson is a good running back. I, I really like him. I think he could do a lot of things that other running backs can't do. And Ezekiel Elliott, I, I know he had a decent game against the Giants. I am not sold on Ezekiel Elliott. So I have I, you guys have the Cowboys. I have Washington going into Dallas and knocking off the Dallas Cowboys 17-16 uh, as Washington uh, rolls the Dallas Stars off the mat. So there you go. All right. Uh, NFC North, Detroit Lions hosting the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to take the Lions. I think this one's going to be a blowout. I think their offense has been one of the most impressive ones in the league so far. Now, DeAndre Swift might not play, but Jamal Williams has looked good still as the backup running back, and I think he can serve the role as a starter well. And this is a good running scheme that Dan Campbell has. Seattle's had... They did well stopping the run in week one against the Broncos, but that's really been it. I think the offense will keep it close in the beginning. I think Tyler Lockett, like John Diggle was saying, has a big game in this one. Uh, but beyond that, I don't really trust anyone else on that Seattle team right now. I'm going to take the Lions 34-24. to 24. I'll also go with the Lions. I'm kind of contingent. I mean, DeAndre, I don't think will play. Dan Campbell said he might. they might give him a couple weeks rest, which uh, I wouldn't worry too much about. You, you said it. Uh, Jamal Williams has looked great. I think Craig Reynolds even is fine. He he, he came in relief a little bit last year, and he, he's he's going to be a fine uh, second option for them. But I'm more worried about Amon Ross St. Brown. He has not practiced this week. If he's gone, that's all the juice in their offense. I mean, those those guys get their offense going. Those guys create explosives for them. I think if he can't go, I mean, you're relying on Chark as your first option. You're relying on Josh Reynolds. It kind of gets a little bit dicey there. I think if Amon Ra doesn't play, I would take Seattle. But for now, I'm going to pick Detroit. These are two sneaky, decent offenses. These are kind of fun teams. Both defenses are pretty terrible, but it could make for a really high-scoring game. It could be a 31-28 type of game. Very back and forth. I like what I've seen from Geno, but I'll take the Lions. It's so funny because I am actually playing St. Brown this week in one of my leagues, and I do not want to see him step on the field because he's had a fantastic season. He's showing why he shouldn't have been drafted, I think, in the fourth round. Uh, he's been complaining about that he believes he was the best or one of the best wide receivers in that draft class, and he's short-proving it right now. I Listen. I, I like and I everybody knows I can't stand Jared Goff. I've never liked him. He was the number one pick in that draft. I, I like Carson Wentz better than him. But ever since he's gone to the Lions, he's he he has that pizzazz. He has that confidence. Uh, the team believes in him. The players believe in him. And I, I think the coaches believe in him too. And defensively, I love what I see what Hutchinson has done. I think he's he's going to be a star in this league. I think this defense is a lot better than people sell him out to be. And this offense is definitely a fun offense to watch. I don't trust that Seattle's going to be able to stay in this game. They're going into Detroit. There's no confidence level whatsoever with the Seattle Seahawks team. Let's be honest. They they played the Atlanta Falcons last week, and they gave Atlanta their first win. Give me a break. 
I mean, Geno Smith stinks. He's an ex-Jet. He stinks. And uh, no more Jamal Adams, no more garbage opening his mouth over there in the safety plays. I, I expect the Seattle team to completely collapse. I love their tackles. I really do. Their two tackles have been sensational. So I have to give them credit. They got, they got it right with that, finally. But there's no Russell Wilson there anymore, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I have Detroit in this game. I think it's a complete blowout. Detroit wins the game 34-15. All right. Two teams that have impressed in the beginning of the season, not showing record-wise, but the Browns at the Falcons in this one. Um, I'm going to take the Browns because as of right now, it doesn't seem like Miles Garrett's in any trouble, but I think if, if Miles Garrett does end up getting caught with something, we'll see. But it looks like he's going to Not play. right away. Yeah, right it doesn't away. seem like that's the case. So I'm going to take the Browns. I think this game will be close. I think this will be higher scoring than a lot of people expect considering none of these offenses like, have these massive amounts of talents. But I'm going to take the Browns for the reason of I think Jacoby Brissett has done a better job at stretching the field than I would have thought. The Falcons' edge rushing, not great. The Browns' offensive line should be able to win the line of scrimmage. And defensively, with Miles Garrett playing, I think that pass rush will be too much for Atlanta. I do think Cordero Patterson has a nice game to keep it, keep it close for a while, but I think the Browns will be able to contain Pitts. So I'm going to take the Browns close. I'm going to say 27-20. I'm also going to go with the Browns. I, uh, it's kind of like the other matchup. These are two kind of fun offenses, even though they're led by Jacoby Brissett and Marcus Mariota. These are fun offenses to watch in the early going of the season. And, uh, I mean, that ground game at Cleveland is just its just legit. I think it's going to be way too much for that Falcons front to handle necessarily a stout unit. So I think they're just going to wear them down as the game goes on. I'll say a 27-21 to 21 type of game if the Browns come out on top. It, it's so interesting because I am not a big Browns fan, I, especially uh, after that game with the Jets, and I feel bad for the Browns. I mean – they like to, they like to keep a Keebler elf on on their their football field, and I guess that jinxed them, and that's why they probably lost that game against the Jets. Me and your brother talked about uh, spoke about it the other day. I thought it was very very funny. He thinks that's the reason why they lost. I think there's a lot of other reasons why they lost, but um, <laughs> I, I think with Cleveland going into Atlanta, I think Atlanta has the advantage uh, with the weapons that they have. I, I'm I'm not a big fan with the Cleveland secondary really throughout this season so far. But Cleveland is a better team. I I do believe they're a better team. I think this game is going to be so very close. I wouldn't even be surprised if the Falcons win this game because uh, Cleveland's had a problem stopping the run in certain games. And uh, you saw it against the Jets in the second half of the game. Uh, Brees Hall and Michael Carter, when they touch the ball, they can run. I I, I just don't know if I trust it. And Jadavion Clowney is not 100% healthy. That's a fact. He's playing, but he's not healthy. Uh, I, I like Cleveland this game. This will be close. Uh, give me Cleveland 21-17 uh, as Cleveland wins another game. Titans at the Colts. Uh, I'm going to take the Titans in this one. This one's going to be kind of ugly. I, Jonathan Taylor did not practice yesterday for the Colts, again, obviously being their biggest offensive weapon. The Titans have done a good job at stopping number one receivers, too. Outside of Stephon Diggs, the big game he had on Monday night, the Titans have done very well with a lot of elite guys, and I think they'll be able to shut down Pittman. Can the Colts other guys play well like they did last week? We'll see, but I think the Titans have a little more depth in that secondary than the Chiefs do. So I'll take the Titans to win kind of a sloppy game, 20-14. to 14. They were an easy regression candidate before the season, and we kind of we kind of seen that in the early going. It's rough, but they looked a lot better on the offensive side of the football last week. And I know it's the Raiders, but the Colts aren't necessarily a stout unit right now. Robert Woods got going. He he looked a lot better, and I know he's coming off ACL. 
Traylon Burks had his moments in the first two weeks. He played, I think, every snap last week. It was the first time he did that, but he only had one catch. But I expect him. There's a decent spot for him. So Titans have the Colts number. The Colts always seem to have a better team. They always seem to be more talented on paper. And the Titans seem to win that division every single year over the past couple of years. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I think they go into Lucas Oil and win this game. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen in this game. I, I, I know a lot of people were very surprised that India, Indianapolis beat the Kansas City Chiefs last week. And I, I am not sold on Tennessee whatsoever. I think Derrick Henry had a very good game. I expect him to get better. And we've seen this with Derrick Henry. He doesn't start off strong, but he ends very, very strong. I expect him to have a very good game against an Indianapolis Colts team uh, especially defensively, that has not been as good as everybody expected him to be. Maybe because their defensive coordinator is now the coach of the Chicago Bears. Maybe that's the reason why Eberflus is over there. I don't know. But this Indianapolis defense is not really played as well as we expected him to, to this year. Pittman isn't 100% healthy. He'll be back uh, again this week. Maybe he's at 90% than he was last week at 70%. And... I, I love what I like. I, I love what I see with Taylor. I just, I don't know if Taylor, you, you can ride on Taylor like you did last year when, when this offensive line, even though they've played well, and this is one of the better offensive lines in football, has looked flat all season long so far. So um, they're going into Indianapolis. So I'm going to take Indianapolis in this game. I think it'll be very, very close. I think it goes to overtime. I think it, it's won by a field goal kick. Give me Indiana, Indianapolis winning this game 24-21. All right. The L.A. Chargers at the Houston Texans. Another game that is going to be ugly. It doesn't seem like the Chargers are going to be very healthy on the offensive side of the ball, but I think they still have enough to win on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, they lost Joey Bosa, understandable, but they brought in Khalil Mack, obviously. They have enough depth, I think, at that linebacker position to at least hold it over for this week. I think it'll be a sloppy game. I think they'll get a defensive touchdown, a lot of turnover to get them good field position and just do enough. Houston will stop the run to keep it close, but I'll take the Chargers 23-14. Yeah, I'm also going to go with the Chargers. The The injuries are bad, but this is still a much more talented roster than what Houston is rolling out with. And Houston had that huge upset win over the Chargers last year. Trying to knock them out of the playoffs. Yep. I think that's on Herbert's mind. I think that's on Brandon Staley's mind this week. They get their revenge this week. Keenan Allen has been a limited participant in practice this week. If they get him back... That's a huge boost to that offense. You have him, you have Williams, you have Eckler. I think that's enough to get over the the hump and, and get to 500. The Chargers better not lose this game because if they lose this game, they're the laughing stock of the NFL. You lose against Jacksonville, and then you lose back-to-back weeks to Houston. Uh, you're, you're looking like Indianapolis the last couple of weeks. So, uh, And they've been the laughing stock of the NFL. So, And you can ask Ryan Hickey on that at CBS Sports. I want to hear Ryan make excuses, which he's been doing for the last couple of weeks. And he was so excited that they beat Kansas City. Big whoop. Anyways, uh, I, I think when you watch this game, you, you nobody expects Houston to win this game. I was, I've was i been very impressed with Mills. I've been very impressed that they've been competitive. I didn't think they were going to be competitive this year. Uh, the defense has played a lot better than anybody thought. Look what they did against the Broncos. They shut down Russell Wilson. Everybody thinks that Russell Wilson will figure things out. Nathaniel Hackett will figure things out. I don't know. I, I think Nathaniel Hackett uh, believes that he has Aaron Rodgers or maybe thinks someone close to Aaron Rodgers, but he's not and nobody is. Um, the Chargers will be able to run in this game. I think uh, Eck, 
I think they're going to be able to do things offensively uh, against Houston that other teams can't. And Justin Herbert is 100% healthy. But I think they're going to do enough, and they're going to they're going to score enough in this game to win. Is Allen playing in this game? Is he coming back? That, he was just saying earlier, limited participation. So he'll play. I think he'll play. In the, they need him. So uh, if Allen plays, they win 32 to like 14. If Allen doesn't play, they still win 21 to 14. So uh, the Chargers win this game. All right. Probably the best game of the week on oh, paper, yes. the Buffalo Bills at the Baltimore Ravens. Definitely watching this game. Yeah. I'm going to take the Ravens in this one because of the way they've played against the deep, uh, the way they've played with the deep ball this year. We were talking about it last, yesterday. Lamar Jackson looked like the early favorite for MVP at the moment, the way he's throwing the ball down the field. And the Bills have a lot of injuries in their secondary. Uh, they're missing both safeties. Uh, still no Tredavious White yet. They've had a lot of rookies that are playing in that secondary right now. I think the Ravens are going to be able to stretch the field. That being said, the Ravens secondary themselves have not been great, so I still think Josh Allen will be able to stretch the field himself, but back-to-back road games for the Bills, I think that's going to be a very tough task. I think they're going to start a little slow and have to play catch-up a lot of the time. I think it'll be close, but I'm going to take the Ravens. 34-27. I want to go with the, I'm going to go with the Ravens, too, but this is this is literally a coin flip, I think. I think this is going to be an awesome game. I think we're going to see a lot of offense. The Ravens' secondary has really struggled, and Marcus Peters is coming off the Achilles. Marlon Humphrey had a season-ending injury last year. You have new pieces in the back end that are new back there. Marcus Williams is new back there. So might take some time, but they're not going to figure it out against this Bills passing attack. So I'm expecting a lot of points. But on the other end, I mean, Petey, you said it. Hyde is out. Poyer's questionable. I don't know if he's going to play. Dane Jackson will not play. Tredavious White. Christian Bedford will probably not play. I mean, it is ugly. I think Lamar is going to carve him up. They're at home, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here. I think they win this game shootout. What are you guys smoking? I, I mean, honestly, I picked Buffalo to lose last week. I, I, I had Miami winning, but there is no way back-to-back weeks Josh Allen is going to let his team lose, okay? I like what Baltimore has done. I love what Lamar Jackson, he's proving a point. I want the money. Pay me. I don't have an agent. I am doing this myself. I understand what they're, they're all about. I understand what Baltimore's all about. I want J.K. Dobbins to have a good game. He's on my fantasy team. Both my – or three of my fantasy teams, I expect him to have a good game. Um, I, I just – I don't trust the Ravens. I, I really don't. Defensively in their secondary, like you were saying, Derek, I don't trust their secondary. And this Buffalo offense is explosive. Diggs and, and, and Gabe, I, I think they're, they're just – there's so much weapons that they have. And – and I just don't know how they can move digs to the slot. They can move so many different pieces to the slot. And they have guys that even Singletary and, and the running backs can they can catch the ball in the backfield. They're not good running backs, but they can catch the ball in the backfield. I, I think Buffalo is not only going to beat the Baltimore Ravens, they're gonna demolish the Baltimore Ravens. Give me Buffalo in this game, 34. 34- 21. All right, we'll round out the 1 o'clock games with our teams. We'll start with Errol's New York Jets at the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what I feel. Well, I feel the opposite. I, I'm going to take the Jets to win this game. Wow, well, finally. Now, now they're definitely going to lose. Thank you. <laughs> well, I don't trust the Steelers either. Their offensive line has stunk too. They're, and the Jets, have, <laughs> this is the one thing. The Jets have actually stopped the run well this year. Outside of the second game of the season, they did well against the Ravens. They did well against the Bengals. The Browns were the only one that had to give them trouble. And Najee Harris still not really 100%. The Jets' secondary matches up well against these other receivers. And I think the Steelers' offensive line, they've had trouble too. So I think they could get a, a little bit of a pass 
rush in this game. This will be a sloppy, ugly game. But I don't trust the Steelers' edge rushers either. I'm going to take the Jets to win it close, 17-13. No, I can't, I can't go with the Jets here. <laughs> I, uh, if Flacco was under center, I think he gives them a better shot at this spot. And that's not to say he's better necessarily. I just think it's a tough spot for Wilson. I mean, he's coming off injury. He missed out on a lot of needed reps over the summer for a second year quarterback in a kind of rigid structure of an offense that's all timing and anticipation based. And you saw those growing pains last year. I mean, he really struggled in this offense last year. Now he kind of gets thrown into the fire. I know the Steelers defense isn't the same without TJ Watt, but Mike Thomas still coaches the Steelers a headache to win against the Steelers. I still think they're a tough AFC North team every single week. And look, I think Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth are huge mismatches over the middle of the field against those jet defenders that we were out a little bit ago. So I'm going to take the Steelers in a kind of slugfest, a, a muck it up kind of game, 21 to 17. Every time I picked the opposite, the opposite happens this year. Okay. I, I picked the Jets to lose against Cleveland. They win. I picked the Jets to win game number one. They lost. I picked the Jets to win against the Bengals. They lost. So what I'm going to do as a Jet fan is pick against them because I expect them to win. So I am going to take the Steelers in this game. I, I don't trust the offensive line for the New York Jets. I, I don't think McDermott. I don't. I like Max Mitchell. I think he's a good young tackle. I, he's a rookie. And I'm not going to trust that he is my best tackle moving forward for the next couple of weeks. So I, I'm worried. As long as Dwayne, maybe Dwayne Brown comes back next week. But he won't be back this week. TJ Watt's not in this lineup, but I still think this defense is, is more than willing and, and able to get to Zach Wilson. I expect Zach Wilson to running for dear life and maybe getting killed in the backfield one way or another. And, and let's be honest, the Jets secondary, not the two corners that we were talking about, but those safeties are horrible, horrendous, whitehead, joiner, terrible, parks, whoever they put out there. Their safety play is garbage, and that's what Pittsburgh is going to dominate. They're going to go after those safeties like every damn smart team has done. So I expect it to happen. The Jets lose in this game 21-14. All right, my New York Giants at home against the Chicago Bears. I'm going to take the Giants in this one. Of Again. course you will. Well, here's the thing. You got to look at it. <laughs> Justin Fields, this is a tough matchup for that type of offense because outside rushing defenses, which the Giants have, tend to do well against mobile quarterbacks. With the exception of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the opposite. He does bet worse on interiors. But every other running quarterback, including Justin Fields, has had issues with those outside rushing defenses. Those bad Bears have a bad offensive line. The Giants do too, but the, the Bears don't really have as much up front that are, are worrisome. I think Daniel Jones will be able to extend plays better. The Bears have been awful against the run too, so I expect Saquon to have a big game as well. So I'm going to take the Giants 20-10. to 10. One of these teams being three and one is so disgusting. It just doesn't sit right with me. It is so gross, but I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with the bears. I really think the bears should be able to run the football all over these guys. I mean, Dallas dominated the line of scrimmage on Monday night football. They're not the juggernaut they once were. I mean, they had Tyler Smith at left tackle. Jason Peters is making his first start in the interior. Tyler Biotish is, I think one of the worst centers in football for my money. Um, the bears O line 
They got a lot of flack over the offseason. I still think it's not a great unit, but they kind of have a little attitude running the football. I mean, they're averaging over 200 yards on the ground per game. Justin Fields, as much as he struggled in the air, he's still a threat with his legs. Khalil Herbert looked fantastic last week. So I don't think anybody's expecting many points, but I'm going to take the Bears here in this one. I'm going to take him in a 17-14 to 14 win. Justin Fields has looked horrible. He has, he has not been the quarterback that everybody – and I, I expect this. They have no wide receivers. We all know that. But uh, you expect that this kid is going to throw close to 200 yards and, and make a, give his team a chance to win every single week. He hasn't. It's really been the defense. Like you said, Derek, the offensive line's played a lot better than people think, and that's why they can run the ball. I think the Giants are going to win this game for one reason. They're playing at home, and I don't know if this – Chicago defense can stop Saquon Barkley. I, I just don't know. I don't think the Giants have anybody to throw to, but Saquon Barkley has been as dominant of a force as any running back in the NFL. I think he's going to be uh, very costly if they decide to trade him at the trade deadline. I think teams will be willing to to give him a second-round draft pick and maybe a fifth. Um, I, I, I like the Giants in this game. This is going to be an ugly game. Might be one of the more uglier games this uh, this week. Uh, give me the Giants, 10-7. to 7. This game is horrible. I, I, I don't know where to go with this. But I have the Giants winning the game, and it might rain on Sunday. So, 10-7. to 7. All right. And your team, Derek, the Philadelphia Eagles against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Philly, the Doug Peterson revenge game. But it will not be revenge. The Eagles, I think, win this game. Uh, I think Jacksonville runs the ball well in this game, but I think the pass rush and the secondary is going to be make it too much for Trevor Lawrence. I don't think he plays badly, but I think he has a couple turnovers that will end up being costly. Uh, the Jack- Jacksonville pass rush against the Eagles offensive line, I would, give, I would benefit the Eagles in that case. Jacksonville has stopped the run well, but I think Jalen Hurts himself running will be a big difference in this game, and I think his passing will be very efficient as well. So I'll take Philly 31-21. to 21. I'm also going to go with the Eagles here. Errol said it earlier, but I, I, I don't know if the if the Jaguar secondary has been tested in the early going, and I think the Eagles are going to exploit that with A.J. Brown, with Devontae Smith. I mean, they just don't have the horses back there to keep up with those guys. They have a lot of juice up front. I, I do think they're going to have their moments where they're going to be a handful. It's probably the best O-line in football. I think they're going to do enough to contain them. I think they're going to be lethal through the air, and I think they're going to outlast the Jaguars in this one. I'll take the Eagles in this one, 28-24. I don't think this game is going to be even close. I I think they don't have an answer for Jalen Hurts. They're not going to have an answer for Jalen Hurts this week. I think the Eagles' secondary is just by far the best triple tandem in the NFL. I, I, I think Darius Slay is finally healthy, and he's showing you why he was the best or one of the top three corners in the NFL. He's worth every penny. If he could stay healthy, I don't think a lot of teams are going to be able to throw against this team. I, I think Philadelphia defensively, offensively, they're just so much more superior than the Jacksonville Jaguars. The thing about Jacksonville is Robinson has been dominant the last couple of weeks. They're not going to be able to run against Jordan Davis and, and Cox and, and these guys. These guys are going to close up the middle. They're going to make them throw the, throw the ball against them. And let's be honest, there is nobody but Christian Kirk that's going to go out there and catch the ball. And you know what's going to happen. Darius Slay is going to take him and stick him the whole game. He's not going to touch the ball. And watch this Jacksonville Jaguars team get their butts whipped. 
Give me the Eagles in this game, 24-10. All right, first of the 4 o'clock games, the Arizona Cardinals at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, this will be close, but I'm going to go with John Daigle's bet here. I'm going to take Arizona in this one. I think this is going to be a lower-scoring game than a lot of people expect. I, I was impressed with the Cardinals' defense last week against the Rams, and I think they do very similar against the Panthers. The Panthers' offensive line still having a lot of issues. Christian McCaffrey not 100% yet. Will he be able to exploit a Cardinals' run defense that's been bad most of the year but did well last week is going to be another question. Kyler Murray, I think, plays okay, but I think it'll be spread out. I think the tight ends have a bigger game in this one. So I'm going to take the Cardinals close. I'll say 23-20. I'm with you, Petey. I think the wrong team is favored here. I I think this line's a little tricky. I know the Cardinals have to come cross-country, and the first three, week, three weeks have not been inspiring, but same with Carolina. I mean, we're looking at the same Baker Mayfield that we <laughs> saw last year, but all the worst parts of it. I mean, not on the same page with any of the receivers, happy feet in the pocket, holding the football, trying to think he can improvise, but he can't. He doesn't have the athleticism. To me, I think Vance Joseph is going to have a plan. He's going to pressure Baker all day. He's going to be frustrated. I think Kyler wins this one. I think Arizona wins this one handily. I'm going to take Arizona 27-17. Kyler Murray is going to have his best game. I think he throws for 500, 400 yards this game this week. He's going to be able to run over 60, 70 yards. He's going to take over this game. I, Carolina's defense has not really stood out all season long. I know it's early, but in the first three weeks, they have not been good. And and DJ Moore, who I thought was going to have a pretty good season, he has been putrid. The better wide receiver on that team is an ex-Jet, okay? And that's not that's saying, not saying much, much. Okay. I, I just I can't I can't sit here. Matt Rule's on his way out. He's probably going to play. He's probably going to be coaching college football next year for one of those teams that are going to be open for looking for a coach in the offseason. I can't tell you. What Carolina is better at in this game? I, I There is nothing. I, I think Arizona wins this game. I think Arizona is going to destroy them. This is another um, just a complete blowout game. Give me Arizona 28-10. to 10. All right. The New England Patriots at the Green Bay Packers. Oh, pa- Patriots not likely to have Mac Jones in this oh, game. Oh, God, please. Yeah, pa- Packers will win this game. Now, the, sp- the spread is minus 10.5, and, and they're, get- they're definitely going to, it looks like, get that. Now, I think the Patriots' secondary, I know it hasn't been great this year, but now there's Packers receivers. That'll keep them afloat a little bit. But uh, Aaron Jones, I think, in the passing game, will do more against Patriots linebackers that have had trouble covering. Aaron Rodgers will do the rest. And the Packers' defense looked very good last week, and they'll be just fine here. 20-10, to 10, Packers. Yeah, I I don't think anyone's taking the Patriots here. I do think that they'll be able to contain this Green Bay offense. I mean, they just have no weapons on the outside, no juice. I think Romeo Dobbs is an intriguing prospect, but you're counting on a fourth-round rookie. I mean, that's not necessarily a winning formula. I think Belichick's going to be able to keep it close at half. Can't beat Aaron Rodgers with Brian Hoyer. I mean, even aside from Hoyer, their offense has given – no inspiration, not, no points of confidence for anybody. I mean, I think Matt Patricia was <laughs> a really sketchy hire at best. So I think the Packers cruise here. I think it's going to be a 24-13 win. Oh, I think they're going to cruise. And not only cruise, they, he, Aaron Rodgers is going to shove the football up, of, up uh, Bill Belichick's you-know-what. I, I mean, seriously, this game is 
the fact that it's on 425 and it's the lead game for everybody to watch makes me sick to my stomach. This isn't the same Patriots team. Uh, honestly, this is a putrid Patriot team that has no wide receivers. Uh, they have a good running game. Harris looks like he's going to have a good season, and then he's going to go elsewhere because the Patriots aren't going to re-sign him. And uh, Green Bay, let's be honest, there is nobody out there that really stands out. Dobbs looks like he could be a good player. Do not compare him to Devontae Adams, okay? I am so tired of listening to Matt LaFleur compare him to Devontae Adams. Could, could the LaFleur brother, brothers just shut up? Both of them just are idiots, we okay? Want, we want Peter. He's the voice Complete of reason. Complete morons, both of them. I, it's Aaron Rodgers' team. Aaron Rodgers is going to blow the Patriots out of, you know, Green Bay. Uh, I expect Aaron Rodgers to put up a 24 spot as the Patriots with uh, everybody's Hoyer, or whatever you want to call him, or Boyer, because that's what he is. He's a boy playing a men's game. Um, I would say... They get 10, uh, 24 10. Uh, it, this is going to be an absolute blowout. Well, speaking of Patriots offensive coordinators, uh, one of them is seeking their first win. Yay. Against the Broncos. Battle of just, just two god awful coaches in this one. But I do think the Raiders finally get the win. I, <laughs> finally, in this ugly, sloppy game, they will do it. It's about time. The Broncos have had issues stopping, <laughs> stopping the run. I know they did all right in the second half against the 49ers, but beyond that, they've had issues stopping the run. I think the trio of running backs that the Raiders have will finally get it going. Devontae Adams does well, well enough in this game, and the Raiders' defense does get somewhat of a pass rush to contain Russell Wilson, not really stop him as much, but contain him. And then Nathaniel Hackett's awful play calling will just do the rest of that game. Keep them out of the end zone like John Daigle, end zone like John Daigle was saying. I'm going to take the Raiders 20-16. to 16. Mm. I'm also going to go with the Raiders here. The only reason is because they have to win. They don't, if, if they lose their season's over, they might as well pack it up. They might as well blow it up, get McDaniels out of there. Get Carr out of there, start over because it's not working, but they just have to win this one. I mean, the Broncos are lucky to be 2-1, and one, but I just think there's going to be a sense of urgency from Vegas in this one. Uh, I think Russell Wilson's in trouble. He's going to be better than he's played, but I just think the way defense is going and the way the NFL is going, defense is playing more too high structure than they ever have. Quarterbacks have to be patient and take layups more than ever. That's not Russell Wilson's game. He's not willing to run. The only time he ran last week was the final drive when they scored a touchdown. He just seems he, he wants to protect himself. And I, and I think Hackett's kind of calling a scared game where he doesn't he wants to protect Russ as well. That limits their offense so much. So I'm going to go with the Raiders. They have to be urgent in this one. They have to win this one. So I'm going to say 24 to 17. I think everybody in a betting man probably is going to pick the Raiders because if the Raiders lose this game, not only is Josh McDaniels' heads out there, Devontae Adams is going to jump off a cliff. I mean, this man has been saying nothing nice about this team. Derek Carr, his, it's, it's like his best buddy. He's taking shots at him. I mean, he might be out the door begging Green Bay to take him back. I mean, seriously. He, nah, he won't want to go back He there. absolutely regrets <laughs> leaving Green Bay. I, I'm, I'm definitely believing that now. But nevertheless... Aaron Rodgers is is way better than Derek Carr. I think everybody knows that. I think he realizes that now. So um, I'm going to take Vegas just because if they don't win this game, uh, hell's going to freeze over, and maybe we'll see John Gruden again. 
because <laughs> I don't know. That's the last time they've won a game. I mean, seriously, I'm just kidding. They won. They got into the playoffs. But I, I, I just I don't trust the Broncos. I don't trust Nathaniel Hackett. This defense is horrible. They haven't played very well. And and offensively, I, I don't I don't know what they are. Are they a running team? Are they a throwing team? And and look at the weapons they've had. Sutton's been their best. I thought Judy was going to be their better wide receiver, having Russell Wilson throw them the ball. Judy's been horrible. Sutton's been their better wide receiver. Crazy as that may sound. So um, I got Vegas in this game. I, I think Vegas blows them out, actually. Um, 27-14. Uh, before I get to the next game, uh, Stug says, LOL, it's not too late for McDaniels to head back up to New England. His job is still open. Yeah, he could join up. He probably will. <laughs> maybe, maybe he could take Joe Judge with him and then uh, Patrick Graham will reunite on one coach. I staff. will say <laughs> this. If he gets fired here early in his career – He's never going to get a coaching job no, again, ever, not. ever. Nobody's going to even give him a shot. He made a big mistake taking this team. I, I, I think of all the teams that he had a chance to take, he should have taken Indianapolis when he had a chance to. This was a terrible move by him. I think he really put himself in a bad situation because the Raider fans will eat you up alive. They are the bi- the fan fan base. I've heard from Curtis Martin. We've I've talked to Curtis Martin. He says the fans are crazy out there. Everybody, even. Taba Ali told me yep. the, cra- the Oakland Raider fans are crazier fans than any fans out there. I'm telling you right now, everybody talks about the Philadelphia fans. The Raider fans are nuts, okay? So I, I, I don't know what Josh McDaniels is going to do if he loses this game. I, 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 seriously, I drown myself. I really would. And speaking of Philadelphia, they are now the last undefeated team as the Bengals get the win on Thursday night, 27-15. to 15. Ah, I was right about yes, this. Yes, you were. Yes. All right. So that's now you're up by three points. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Did you have the Bengals as well, Derek? Yeah, I would have taken the Bengals tonight. All right. So there you go, Derek. You guys are both 1-0. Oh, I'm 0-1. Oh All that's right. Sunday night nice. football. The Kansas City Chiefs at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. This will be close, though, because Tampa's defense has played well this year. They're the best scoring defense so far, and I think the second-best yardage defense. Uh, and the Chiefs offense still looking for, for a couple wide receivers to be able to get, get it going. But Tampa's secondary, uh, again, they have some de- areas they can expose to. I think Patrick Mahomes will do a good job extending plays in this one. And the Buccaneers' offense still really has left a lot to be desired. Leonard Fournette's been all right, but the Chiefs stopped the run well very well. You mentioned it earlier, Derek, and I think this is the best schematic defense we've seen the Chiefs have in a while. So I'll take the Chiefs lower scoring than expected. I would say 22 because they have kicking problems. 22, missed an extra point, 17. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with uh, the Bucs. I really like what I'm seeing from the defense. I think they can contain Mahomes. The loss of Tyree Kill is evident, but you see it last week. They're just not on the same page. Juju's not making the impact that I thought he would. MVS is invisible. Sky Moore can't even get in the game. I can't Travis Kelsey's great, but that, that's one guy. I think that they're going to be able to contain Mahomes. And you look at the other side of the football. Mike Evans is back. Julio Jones is expected to play. Russell Gage is back in the lineup. Godwin's a game-time decision. I, I don't think they need him in this one. I would hold him out. You still have Leonard Fournette out of the backfield. He catch the football out of the backfield. So I think the juice that they have, along with Brady, is more than the Col- or more than the Chiefs defense has really ever seen up to this point. I mean, they had the Chargers week two, but I just think that receiving core of Tampa is way more dynamic, has way more speed. Um, so I am going to take Tampa Bay in this one 24-20. One of these teams are going to lose back-to-back weeks, okay? Because both of them lost last week. Uh, Tampa lost against Green Bay. Kansas City lost against Indianapolis. Um, 
I would agree with you, Derek. Uh, we we have agreed with practically all of our picks. I, I, I like Tampa in this game. Evans is going to be back. Jones is going to be back. Godwin's probably going to play. I've heard that he, he has been practicing a little bit. I expect him to be on the field. Uh, Brady has his weapons back, and his defense has been one of the better defenses in the NFL. I can't stand Todd Bowles as a Jet fan. I don't even want to see him on the sidelines with a Tampa Bay Buccaneers hat on. He looks like a little you-know-what with a hat on. But nevertheless, I think the Buccaneers are the better team. They're playing at home. Kansas City, they have Patrick Mahomes. Their weapons are okay. They're uh, Juju, I, I mean, he had a decent game last week. I, I, there's nothing that really sticks out to me where I, I could say besides Travis Kelsey. Their running game's been better this year than they were last year. I think Tampa's going to be able to shut down and make them one-dimensional. I think Tampa is the better team, and I, I can't see Tom Brady losing back-to-back weeks, especially at home. Give me Tampa in this game, 27-21. And Monday Night Football, last game, the L.A. Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. This has been an odd year for both of these teams. The Rams' defense doing a little better than their offense so far to start the year. The offense really has only had like one good half from a consistency basis. A lot of injuries when it comes to wide receivers. No Van Jefferson. Daryl Henderson's been banged up so far this season. I'm going to take the 49ers, even though they're banged up. I think I trust them to win this type of game more, even though they have all their injuries on their offense as well. I think the front seven that... That defense will be able to hold up. The Rams offensive line's had some issues in this game. And we've seen them still try to take away number one receivers very well. So I think Cooper Cup for the first time this year will be not taken out completely, but limited just enough. And I think the 49ers, I think, will be able to adjust more. They've done well head-to-head against the Rams. I'll take them in this one, 23-17. to 17. I'm going to go the other way, and I, and I hate it. Shanahan has McVay's number. He's 6-1 and one in his career against McVay. That lone loss was in the NFC Championship last year, but... San Fran just matches up really well with this Rams team. They can kind of play some bully ball. They can muck it up. They can slow the game down. And Shanahan knows that scheme better than anybody that McVay's going to unveil in that offense of theirs. Um, so I think they match up really well, but I'm going to go with the Rams. I just think the injury bug is is too prevalent with the 49ers Williams for me. I mean, he's the best left tackle in football. He's not going to be in the game for this one. I think he is kind of the bully ball guy of the 49ers. Everything revolves around him in the run game. I know they still have Kittle. I know they still have use check, but it's not the same. That old line is rough right now for the 49ers. Jimmy G looked absolutely terrible on Sunday Night Football last week. That Rams defense is no slouch. So give me Matthew Stafford. Give me Cooper Cup. Give me A-Rob. He has had a rough start to the year, but they still have a lot of firepower in that offense. So, I'm going to take the Rams in this one, 24-17. This is the game that makes me really want to pull my hair out of my head, okay? I have no idea who I'm going to go with. I know the 49ers have the better record against uh, McVay and Kyle Shanahan. I hate both coaches, by the way. Can't stand Kyle Shanahan. I think he's a terrible in-game managing coach. When it comes to running the ball, he starts running the ball, and then he's dominating running the ball, and then he stops running the ball, and then they lose the game. Uh, And McVay... I can't stand him. I mean, he's a pretty boy on the sidelines who likes to flex, okay? I'd rather look at his wife than look at him, okay? Honestly, all in all, when you look at both of these teams, I I think the Rams are the more talented team. I think there's a lot of deficiencies on the offensive line for the San Francisco 49ers. Losing Williams for a significant amount of time. He, He should be back this year, but we don't know when he's coming back. And Jimmy's a better pick 
than Trey Lance, and I expect it. And I still think that their, their wide receivers are – and Kittle might have a good – I think Kittle's going to show up this week. He always plays well against the L.A. Rams, always. Um, I think the Rams are going to win this game. And the reason why is I think that Matthew Stafford is not going to have another one of those bad games. I think Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson and the weapons that they have out there are enough – and I expect them to be able to run the ball uh, in this game because I, I think the offensive line, the L.A. Rams, last week looked better than they did the last two weeks. I think they'll be able to run against this with Aker. I expect Aker more than Henderson in this game. Uh, I, I, so if you're a Henderson fantasy guy, I'm one of them. Do not start him this week. Uh, Aker will touch the ball most of the time, uh, especially against the 49ers, which, where he has the 49ers numbers. Um Give me the Rams in this game, 21-17. I think it'll be close, um, but I think the Rams are the better team, and I think Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback. So Matthew Stafford isn't 100% healthy, but, you know, Speedy, you could shut down the music, but uh, I, I don't think when, when you look at all these different games, and, and really a lot of these games could be blowouts this week. There's really nothing – uh, there's like two games that really stand out that you, you want to see. You want to see Tampa and Kansas City. Everybody wants to see that. That's why it's a Sunday night football game. Uh, I, I think everybody wants to see Buffalo and Baltimore. Uh, Minnesota and the Saints is an interesting game. Um, the game tonight was supposed to be interesting until Tua got a concussion. It could be out for a significant amount of time. They're saying it could be a neck injury. So uh, the, shame on the Miami Dolphins for letting him play. Uh, it really is disgusting. Um I think they definitely have to be investigated on this. This is not just a, a story that has been going on from the organization this year. It's been going on for years. This is an organization that hides things. Um, the ownership is a the, the ownership. Let's not get into the owner now. How stupid and idiotic he is, but um, I like McDaniel's. I think he's a really good coach. It, it, it's more like. Uh, uh, you know, I leave it to Beaver type of coach. You know, <laughs> he's not like, like a mama's boy. He's like a little nerd, five foot four, barely knows how to speak. But the team believes in him, and I, I respect him for for everything that he is as a coach. I just, I, I think they're very going into the, you know, going into this game. I thought they were still a little overrated. Uh, I think they're going to come to, they're going to come down a little bit. Uh, now that Tua is going to be out for a couple of weeks, I, I expect him to be out a couple of weeks. But, um. Those two, three games, that's it. I mean, does anybody want to watch Washington and Dallas? I mean, seriously. I I mean, Tennessee and Indianapolis, uh, I thought that was going to be a good game. I, I'm not high on any of those teams. Um, Chicago and the Giants. I, Jacksonville Philadelphia might be a good game. I mean, Jacksonville's played well. I, I think I think Philadelphia is going to have their number. I think they're just a better team. And I mean, don't get me started with the Jets. I mean, if you want to throw up, you watch that game. I mean, seriously, uh, I, there's nothing. But, Derek, uh, we really appreciate you joining us, man. I want to get you on again. Uh, your, your your knowledge is fantastic. Your, your brother wasn't lying about your knowledge and what you know. And uh, Did you have any thoughts of getting into radio and, and doing this for a living? You know, I've had the thought of um... – I've never been in sports radio. I was, I, I did a little stint in political radio uh, at the end of my college days. And that was, I mean, that's a to totally different beast in sports radio. Um, but I, I did enjoy it. Um, so yeah, no, I definitely have a passion about it. I love football, um, obviously. So this was a blast. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'll have Speedy reach out to you. We'll, we'll be in touch. 
You're fantastic when it comes to knowledge in college and, and the NFL. And I'm definitely going – we're going to keep tabs, and Speedy is definitely going to be texting you. We'll put you on a group message because I definitely want to see how your teams and, and where everything falls together this week. But uh, um, definitely want to get you on again. And shout-out to your family, uh, your father and your brother. Uh, you have a fantastic background in sports, and I keep doing and, and keep working. And if you if ever, if you ever want to do sports radio, uh, I definitely uh, we could talk, and I can help you out. Absolutely, appreciate it. Absolutely, we were just talking to NFL and college football expert Derek Mountain. Fantastic kid, he really is. Uh, how old is Derek? Derek, how old are you? Twenty six. Oh, you're a baby. You, you're the same age. Every, everybody that's younger than him is a baby. Just... I'm a, hold on one second. People think that I'm 27, 28, but I'm not. I'm actually 40 now. So I, I know what it's. I know when you're tw- speedy, you're 26, right? I'm just saying you call everybody that's younger. Yeah, than you're you a babies. Baby. <laughs> you guys are babies. I, I mean, seriously. But it, it's it's crazy the knowledge that you guys have when it comes to sports. I mean, Speedy, you're an almanac when it comes to sports. And Derek, I mean, he was telling you PPRs and 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 statistics that you know some some of the experts that we've had on this show didn't even know. Did you hear John Daigle say the things that he was saying about certain players and certain uh, you know teams? I mean, well, he, yeah, he, he's, he is an analytic guy though, John Daigle. But yeah, yes, a lot of our, a lot of our guests, yeah, definitely not. Yes, he was. No, I, I think I think it was very uh, impressive. Some somebody that knows his statistics and understands the, the way the NFL works now when it comes to stats. Everything is stats now when it comes to oh, of course, baseball, yeah. football. I mean, everybody is looking at the. The different and fantasy has really changed the game because now, now people, yeah. Also, yeah. yeah, people looking at those those statistics and really, you know, figuring out what these players are going to do week by week because of what they do, uh, you know, against certain teams and certain defenses and certain offenses. So it's it's incredible. I, I think I think the new age uh, kids that are learning and and studying the sports and the industry for what it is, it, it's. It's unique when I when I work with all you young guys. I I, I say young because everybody, I, I, everybody says I'm young, but I when I look at you guys, you're 26, 25, and, and I, I talk to you guys, and it's like I, I'm just amazed by some of the statistics that you guys know. We, we talk. I talk to Speedy sometimes. I speak to Speedy, and he knows games in the 80s. This guy wasn't even alive in the 80s, and he knows scores and stats of players. It's 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 unbelievable. It, it's freakishly crazy. So. But, Derek, you are fantastic, and keep up the good work, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Derek Mountain. By the way, he's been patiently waiting. Uh, we have Kenny on the line. Oh, my God. Do I want to throw up? Kenny, what's going on, bud? What's up? Love the guest. Oh, you love the guest. Oh, look, Derek has good a interview. Fan. Derek very is knowledgeable. Yes, he's very knowledgeable. So, what do you want to talk about? Are you smoking your your your, your ointment or whatever you're doing over there? Uh, I've moved on the wax oil. So, oh, there but you of go. course, oh, of course. Are you chasing geese? Are you doing that? What? Are you chasing geese again? No. Okay. What are you doing now? Are you chasing dogs, cats, kittens? What are you doing? I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, what are you drinking over why, there? Why don't you? Uh, take phone calls while the guest is there for the most part. Do you want to talk to Derek? He's still on. Derek's still on if you want to. You, you want know, you want to ask him a ask question? Ask him something? Well, How's it going? I don't think the Eagles are going all the way. <laughs> you think the Eagles are really? going? I don't think they are. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I mean, 
it's week three. It's we're going into week four. So I, I, like, like I said, I'm a skeptic. I need to see it versus better teams. I can um, barely hear him. Well, I know. Well, that's why, because uh, he's on the other line, man. But uh, he's saying uh, he's saying he's skeptical about the Eagles. But uh, as everybody knows, they are the best team in the NFC. Is there's no lying to it. And uh, and as as uh, first of all, I, I I understand how you are, Bud. But I, I, the last t- couple of times you've been on the show, and I love you, Kenny. You uh, you you sent me your 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 beautiful painting. I'm gonna hang it up on the walls. I'm going to take pictures of it and send it all over social media so everybody can see the great Kenny and his beautiful artwork. But, Kenny, every time you come on the show, you talk about your Giants. And, you know, the last couple of – no, not the last time, but the time before that, you were talking about Eli Manning. And Eli Manning wasn't even playing on the Giants. He hasn't been on the Giants for years. So That's true. Yes, it it is true. Okay, so um, what were you smoking then? Okay. I'm completely sober. Oh, you're, 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 what were you smoking in 2020 when we asked you that question? <laughs> Why are you still referencing Eli Manning, then? Uh, well, because he was really good. But yeah. Jones is good. I, I, yeah. I think he's got a future. No, do you? One could hope, but he's getting hit too much. Oh, so you think he has a future? Let me ask you a question, Kenny. And it, this is a really good question. I, I really appreciate you calling the show as always because you, you know, everybody loves you. The fans love you, and you're a unique individual. Now, sitting here today, if I were to ask you right now, between drinking and smoking, what would you choose? And uh, the hallucinations that you would have doing the things that you have done over the years, doing both of them, which would you rather do? Probably smoking. And why is that? Well, it's a better high. It's a better high. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Kenny Ray. You asked. That's <laughs> a better high. What's your, what's your drink of, of cho- choice if you were to choose a drink? Uh, probably Jack and Coke. Jack and Coke, ladies and gentlemen. Kenny, what is would a, you choose? I don't drink. If you did drink, Kenny, I don't drink. I, I honestly, I have a very weak stomach, and anybody that knows me, I am the life of the party. I don't need to drink. Speedy will tell you. Uh, Speedy is a drinker. He loves his beer. Uh, he's a beer drinker. I am not. I don't like the taste of liquor, beer. I don't like any. Of, I don't need to drink. I, if you were to ask me, what would I rather do? I mean, I I would do none. How's that? Um, but uh, Kenny, um, we really appreciate you joining. And... Uh, actually, uh, before before we let you go, Kenny, I still got some questions for you. Oh, well, I can't wait for this. Uh, Kenny, what is your favorite cupcake? Is the first one. Oh God, please. Uh, probably chocolate. Chocolate. Okay. Uh, his second question: What do you do for a living? Stunk wants to know. Uh, I've worked at this time, but uh, I think I'll be employed by the end of the year. All right. Uh, what is the secret to make your turkey taste so amazing? Is it a secret ingredient? I, I don't think I'll be making anybody turkey this year. Oh yeah, we know. We <laughs> we're still waiting, but okay. And then uh, the last one: How about edibles? Where do you stand on edibles? <laughs> What? Where do you stand on edibles? Uh, edibles are fun sometimes. I'm more into oils. 
oils. Oh, what, what, whatever is in those oils. You, you could put Shadow. wax oil on something and make that edible. Oh, I'm sure you could, Kenny. I'm sure you're, you have some kind of secret potion you're doing with that. No. I feel like that would be something you could concoct uh, in a lab. How about a cupcake with edibles in it? Oh, God, think? that's the dream for Snuck. <laughs> what do you, you think? You could put uh, wax oil on a cupcake, sure. <laughs> this guy with his wax oil. Oh, my God. How about a goose? Would you eat a goose <laughs> with wax oil on it? No. I mean, you like chasing wax oil on something is to get high. I, I think Derek important. wants to know that, that quickly. To, uh, tell Derek why you used to chase geese. Well, it was just something I did for a video. Then I got my channel shut down. I don't do that anymore. But I why feed did, the geese now. But you feed the geese. So, but you, you, you said, why was the, what was the reason why you chased the geese? Uh, they're kind of disgusting and annoying. There you go. <laughs> so anything that's disgusting and annoying, you'd be willing to chase. <laughs> so if Speedy was uh, annoying, would you, would you chase him? No, I mean, it's annoying that he doesn't take phone calls sometimes, but, you know, he is the producer. So, you know, he's important to the program. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So are you. That's why we love when you call, man. You're awesome. <laughs> you really are. Thank you, Kenny, for calling, man. Is there a way that I can maybe get on the show? Yes. You, you want to come back on video? Yeah, I mean, I got the what, painting. Tonight? I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, on the painting and your family's thoughts. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You can come on next week. We'll have, we have a special show next week. I'm going to Virginia Wednesday and Thursday, so we're not doing a show. So we're doing a show Tuesday. We'll bring you on to a th- Tuesday, Alex. I'll show the painting, mm-hmm. and uh, we could talk about my family, whatever you want. We could talk about edibles. We could talk okay, about I'll bring, uh, my one of my buddies. He does a sports show oh, in Canada. Fantastic! I can't wait. Canada. I can't wait. Right. Yeah. I can't wait. Like the Bart Scott said, can't wait. Thank you, Kenny. Where in Canada is your friend? Uh, he's in like London, Canada. London, okay. London, London, Ontario. Ken. London, oh, Ontario. Right. Does he smoke too? What? Does he smoke too? No, he doesn't get high. He's like you guys. He's a sports guy, so no, he doesn't do so he... drugs or anything. Well, hold on one second. There's a lot of sports guys that do drugs, but by, by the way, <laughs> what do you think? You're but the only person that smokes. He's sober and straight, like you guys. Yeah, he well, doesn't get high or drink or you know, anything. You know who we should reach out to? We should reach out to Miles Garrett because uh, he's probably going to be smoking a doobie after he gets suspended. You know, crashing his Yeah, just Porsche. don't put him in any uh, Fast and Furious movies. And you'll be <laughs> All right, I'll speak with you guys Tuesday. Thank you, Kenny. You're wonderful. All right. Peace Kenny, out. Kenny Rayner, ladies and gentlemen. Westchester, uh, wherever he's from. White, White Plains. Plains. White Plains. There he goes. There what, you go, Derek. what an you interesting a, character. There you go, Derek. You got a taste of uh, one of our crazier callers. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Really great personality, to say the least. But, uh, yeah, um... It, it's been a great show. Uh, I mean, um, Speedy, um, we were talking about the NFL getting rid of the Pro Bowl game. What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts to that? It was bound to happen because none, none of the players' association really wanted it for a while. It was the same kind of thing that the controversy with the Thursday and Saturday games for a while. Like, it, there's just so much wear and tear on their body that I think a skills competition is something that I think you could have fusions of different events that could happen. You could have defensive backs try to play wide receiver. You could have 
pass rushers, try to play out offense, play running back, stuff like that. You could do all unique things with that kind of thing. And I think that would be something that would be a lot more entertaining for especially younger fans now, too. You see in the social media digital era, they're going to all they love all these cool highlight type things. And you would want to see something very unique like that kind of thing. I think this is going to work well. I think you bring back. I, I think it would be very interesting to bring back ex quarterbacks and put them against the new quarterbacks in the uh. NFL. That would be very so interesting. Like the, something like, like Drew Brees the... and Peyton Manning and Eli Manning have the, the and have like a like a old timer old timers yeah. you know quarterback duel. So something you know? like the celebrity softball. Yeah, game I baseball. think it would be fun. Okay. I think it'd be fun to watch. You know, seeing Eli Peyton and you know obviously Tom Brady's still in the game, but when Tom Brady retires, maybe you have Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, <laughs> Eli Manning, all these guys play against the quarterbacks of the future. Now I think a futures. You know, tournament game or something like that, where it'd be fun to watch. I, I I think it's very unique with the NFL and what the NFL is trying to do with endorsements and and stuff like that. I, I think the NFL has made billions and billions of dollars last year. I think they brought in like I think the number was like ten billion or something like that. Just the Super Bowl brought in it was four million dollars a commercial, five million dollars a commercial. And now, what were you? What are your thoughts? You're not a Rihanna fan, are you? You, you know anything about Rihanna? You're asking me or Derek? You. Uh, no, I don't really, but, uh, you could ask Derek. Derek, do you like Rihanna? I mean, no, <laughs> not would have been my choice for this. Would have been my choice for the Super Bowl. I'm not going to like, I know some of her songs, but yeah, wouldn't have been my choice. What I don't understand with the NFL and they're paying Jay-Z $40 million to make these wonderful choices. And, um, Rihanna hasn't made a song in, I think eight years. So, what would be the point of bringing in a singer that has never made hasn't made a track in eight years to a Super Bowl where yes she has fans no question that she does and uh, she just had a baby good for her and uh, her her boyfriend uh, one of the Migos just got arrested for carrying a gun so that might sell to the public too I mean maybe I don't know maybe something to laugh about but. Uh, I, it doesn't make any sense, but that's Jay-Z. Nothing makes ever sense, but the guy knows how to make money. So there you go. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the NFL should have uh, picked somebody or a group that actually has a hit or a top 10 track or something like that or something that would sell. Uh, you know, Drake's never been up there. Drake's a big popular guy. Why isn't Drake being picked? What What was the reason to uh, to bring in Rihanna? That's something – that Jay-Z needs to explain. You know what would be really funny? Rihanna gets called up and she does a song and her one of her one of her guest uh singers up there is Chris Brown. That would be a very interesting thing, I'll say the least. I mean, after all the stuff that's happened between those two. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Snook says, Oh, Canadian talk show host, that's perfect. Drugs are good, okay? And then Kenny on Tuesday, exclamation points. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, one more uh, before we go, and I, I can ask Derek this t- too. This is a good question. The, the practice footage of tonight's game, uh, the Dolphins uh, leaked, uh, leaked their practice, their, their, their practices were leaked by University of Cincinnati students. Uh, the Dolphins and McDaniel's are ve- McDaniel is very upset about this, uh, and now that they lost this game, uh, what do you, what do you say about that? So, Speedy, do you think the Dolphins are going to have uh, the NFL investigate this? Uh, do you think that was the reason why they lost this game? Well, again, the, the, what they would have to investigate is something that's completely 
private in the sense of their students. Now, it did leak to Barstool. That was the bigger problem with this kind of thing. That's where it went on Twitter. And that's how a lot of it got leaked. A lot of people were raving about earlier today, all these drills they were doing with 12 guys on the field and creativity that Mike McDaniel has. And you, you say it all the time. He's like some kind of mad scientist, too, trying he to throw is. people off. And Five foot four with uh, these big damn glasses. He looks like Urkel, a white Urkel. <laughs> And, 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 and did you ever see him do his press conferences? I they, haven't, but I, they I, I would imagine a, so. They put a stool so he could stand on the stool. Well, yeah, they, they, so usually, they usually do that for a lot of the reporters. They don't usually do it so for the coach. Funny. That is interesting. I, I see this little guy come out. He's five foot four, and they put this like this box so he stands on the box, right. which is what they do for <laughs> anchors and reporters who are too short, not not like coaches like that. I, I, I thought he was like a you know a publicist or something. I, I find out he's the coach. I, I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. Now going back to the Dolphins. Now the the thing is, I don't know how much of an NFL investigation they could do, just being it's a private end. Of it. Mm-hmm. it wasn't the NFL that did anything wrong to leak that kind of thing. It was uh, Cincinnati students. Now, the other thing, too, is they were – it was technically an unauthorized practice because right. they weren't supposed to be in Cincinnati. Obviously, the hurricane pushed them out of Florida, so they had to practice somewhere. But they weren't supposed to be practicing in a, on a campus at, at University of Cincinnati, Cincinnati mm-hmm. where there's going to be public viewing that of that type of thing, too. So I don't really know how much of a case they're going to necessarily have. Now, I feel bad for them for the circumstances. So I hope they investigate it kind of thing. I just don't know how much of a how much of a case they really do have because they could have practiced in a lot of different other spots too, where they could have had avoided this kind of whole thing altogether. But that being said, the the students at Barstool should not be taken lightly either. They should yeah. definitely be investigated for that too. How about you, Derek? Uh, I mean, you heard this story. I'm sure it's it's one of those big stories that really has no meaning to me. I could care less. But uh, I think the Dolphins are not going to win on this. But I mean, they're in enough trouble as it is with the Tua situation. So, yeah, I th- I think that they yeah they, no you said it. I think they have to worry about the Tua situation. I think draft picks will be lost. I think fines will be accrued. I think medical staffs could get fired. No no question about it. There's no reason for Tua to play tonight. It was embarrassing. It was negligent, irresponsible. All those adjectives put it into tonight. It was just. It was unfair, especially the way they treated Tua early in his early in his career. I mean, it's just you feel really bad for the kid because he's starting to put it together. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're worried about that. Unless you can connect it to the Bengals, those kids being connected to the Bengals, and they're not. They're they're probably college kids. Security protocols weren't mm. followed, and they shouldn't have been there. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, PD said it. Apparently, McDaniel's running out twelve guys. They're not even <laughs> running real plays in this walkthrough, and he he sees the whole thing a, a, a mile away. So I don't really know if it's that big a deal. But the Tua thing that I think that's a huge deal. Oh, I I think it's going to be a huge deal. I mean, this guy could be out a significant amount of time. Who knows? I, I don't know how bad this is, but it, it looked pretty bad when they rolled him off the field. Um, his neck, uh, they, they said he's moving, but he, he wasn't moving for a while on the field. So I feel bad for the kids. Apparently too. he was released from the hospital like a half hour ago, which I, I cannot understand. That mm. doesn't add up at all, but who knows? Right. Well, who knows if that's the truth? You know, the Miami Dolphins like to hide and lie about things. So uh, I don't know if that's going to sell to me. And watch, we'll see him on the field next week. <laughs> Oh my God. With his head, it'll be He's another a hocus pocus movie, you know. <laughs> it, him, it makes it so him. much worse that it was on a short week too, and like 
you got out, you paid Teddy Bridgewater good backup money. It's like, that's why you have him. Yeah. I mean, he was the, the little bit that I was peeking at. I mean, he's fine. He's a, he's a backup. He's a good backup. And it, it's, he just should even come, come back in the second half of last week's game. I mean, yeah. that was, that was gross. I mean, that just shouldn't have happened. So, I mean, a lot of, a lot of missteps. Miami in a lot of different ways. Well, they're not going to lose a first-round draft pick because they already lost it. <laughs> it's already gone. Already so, gone. So maybe they'll lose their second or their third. <laughs> well, don't worry. Don't worry. If Tua does, for whatever reason, come uh, back next week because the Dolphins are, are crazy, don't worry. Not. Don't worry. They play the Jets. They don't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Well, thank you, Speedy. <laughs> thank you very much. I, I, I we've, we've made enough fun and, and enough jokes about the Jets uh, tonight, including yours truly as a Jet fan, but... Uh, Hopefully I'm wrong, and, and I'm praying that I'm wrong about the Jets this week. But, uh, you know, uh, I I think Zach Wilson, I believe in Zach Wilson. I, I do. I, I really do believe in him. I think he has weapons now. I want to see what he does in the open field. Uh, Tua did it, and we've seen it. It's, it's all, you know, fitting together. It took him three years to do it. It's Zach's second year. I want to see a little bit more development, and hopefully uh, next year he'll be even better with, with the weapons that he's had under his uh you know, his uh, helm uh, this year. So I don't know. I don't know what to think about the Jets right now, except Robert Sala needs to stop uh, telling uh, the press and the fans that he's taking receipts because uh, they're going to be taking his receipt of resignation at the end of the season if he keeps <laughs> opening his mouth. I, I mean, the, every Jet coach that's ever opened his mouth usually gets fired a year after. Todd Bowles did. I, I mean, um, Name them. I, I mean, every single one. Every Adam single one. Adam Gase opened his mouth. He was gone. I, I, every single coach that opens up his mouth and takes shots at the press. Joe Judge on the Giants. Oh, he opened gosh. his mouth with the uh, Yeah, so the did press. Ben McAdoo. And so, so did Ben yeah. McAdoo. All of them. Everybody that opens their mouth to the press and the fans usually are getting dealted with at the end of the season. I expect... Robert Sala better put up a shut up now, man. I, I really hope I, I like the guy. I really do. Uh, but liking a guy and kissing, you know, the the player's ass. And that's what he's been doing. The players aren't playing. I want to see you on the sidelines yelling at the players, not kissing them. Oh, come here, Quentin. Go, oh, come here. I'll put my arm around you. Don't worry. You want to kiss? Oh, you want to? Don't worry. I mean, it's 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 baby crap. I mean, Robert, you're you're six foot three, six foot four, ex tight end, play college football. You've been coaching everywhere you've gone, and and you've been successful as a defensive coordinator. Why is Ulbrich still the defensive coordinator? It's garbage, and, and it's not selling to me. Stop it. Do something. Take your finger out of you. You knew what, and I'm not going to say it on live radio because you know it. You're probably sitting on it right now, uh, but it's something. Something is wrong here, and if if the Jets don't figure it out soon, uh, there's going to be a lot of problems in the off season because the fans are not going to buy anything. That and Joe Douglas might not have a job either at the end of the season either, which is a shame because I think he's done very well in the drafts. As you were saying, Derek, he, he's a smart guy. He knows how to draft. His free agencies and his pickups in free, it's horrible. But um, what he's done in the draft, I even though not his first draft because it's it's falling apart, but his last two drafts have been good. Uh, I just I wonder if, if he picked the right team to be the GM of. And I, I'm a Jet fan, so I, I'll be the first person to say it. Um, I'm skeptical. Everybody says, oh, you're a Jet lover. I am the realist on my team. 
and I just don't buy anything about them. I, I just don't. And I, I, Carl Lawson opening his mouth, Quentin Williams opening his mouth. Carl Lawson needs to shut his mouth. Quentin Williams needs to stop eating Twinkies. Uh, I mean, all these guys need to stop it. And, and Whitehead, you're like a pimple. Your name is Whitehead for a reason. You're like a, a pimple that doesn't pop, okay? It, it's ridiculous. You were Darrell Revis's cousin? You're Darrell Revis. You're Revis Island's cousin? Are you, you going to make me sick? I mean, seriously, horrible. But, again, it was a great show. Uh, I'd like to thank John Daigle. Four for four fantasy football analysts, bet spurts, handicapping. If you haven't checked them out on Twitter, this guy knows his. Sh- you know, I was going to say it, but he knows his shiznay, okay? <laughs> he knows his stuff. So uh, check him out. And Derek, uh, uh, Derek Mountain, his father, his brother, two, uh, his father, very well known agent. His brother is just getting into the game. Very well respected. I, I respect your brother very, very much. He's been a real big help, and I'm looking forward to keeping, uh, you know, Working with him and moving forward with him, he, he's he's a great person. Your family, uh, very very good people, and uh, same same here with you, Derek. You're you're a good kid, and, and keep up the good work. Uh, I, I I think you could do this. Uh, I really do. I think your knowledge in sports and, and football, especially, you have the knowledge to do it, and uh, and you have the understanding on on the way to do it. You're very good with your words and 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 your presentation. Uh, I I was very impressed, and I'm not just saying that. I appreciate that. I really, uh, really appreciate you guys bringing me on. This was really fun. Uh, definitely would love to do this again in the future. Oh, definitely going to bring you on again. Don't you worry. Uh, but thank you to the fans. Keep listening. Shout out to all the fans around the country. Shout out to Florida. Take care of yourselves. Two million people don't have electricity out there. Stay away from the alligators. Stay away from the sharks that are in your backyard. Uh, if you want to, you know, you can throw some wax out there like Kenny does and, <laughs> Or maybe throw some geese uh, and maybe have Kenny chase them and maybe he'll get eaten by the shark. I don't know. Um, but anyways. Kenny uh, in, a hur- in a hurricane or uh, a tropical storm could you, or whatever could you, it is now. I could see Kenny try to get like a saddle and try to ride a shark. Oh, I could see him do that. I mean, he's he's so high half the time. He's probably like, oh, I could I could jaw, ride a shark. Jaw, jaw six. The Kenny Rainier <laughs> experience. Well, let's play a little beach ball. We'll, we'll, we'll play some beach ball volleyball with a shark. Oh, I don't gosh. know. Uh, Kenny. Kenny. I don't know if I trust Kennedy unique. with that, but okay. He's a unique individual, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Uh, but thank you to all the fans. Keep listening to us as always uh we are out we'll see you next week it is the worldwide sports radio network